0: This is the verse numbers twelve to nineteen. We had recited them and translated them for you as well. <laughs> again this is mentioning that sight to the people, the example of the any sight to the mushrikeen, the example and lesson of the people of the town when Allah subhanahu wa emissaries and messengers were sent to it. As I mentioned to you that we don't know exactly what town this is. But the important part that you have to know is that it was one specific town a center of Christianity. And these are the emissaries, so these are not Anbiya. These are emissaries, that's why I translate the word as emissaries instead of messengers. Emissaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were following in the tradition of Sayyidina Isa alayhi wa This is one of the very few incidents in Quran of something, of a community after, the time after Sayyidina Isa alayhi wa and before Sayyidina Rasulullah This is one of the very, very few cases in Quran and Hadith where you have any mention of that. You have a lot of mention of the, Sayyidina Isa and a lot of stuff that happened before him. But this is one of the few incidents of the uh, messengers of Sayyidina Isa or his emissaries, uh, people who were sent from that tradition. So when we sent to the two emissaries and they rejected, we sent to them two emissaries of, and they rejected both of them. And we confirmed the two of them with a third one. So then they said, we, and so he said, we are sent to you. They, the people of the town, said that you are no more than human beings like us. And Ar-Rahman has not sent down anything. You are but telling a lie. So this is a community that is refusing, right? The emissaries of Sayyidina Ismail. They, those emissaries, responded that our Lord knows that undoubtedly we are sent to you. Our obligation is no more than to convey the message clearly. They, the people of the town, responded that we take you as a bad omen for us. If you do not desist, we will certainly stone you and you will be afflicted by painful punishment from us. Okay, this notion of a bad omen, in fancy English we would say, we augur an ill from you, we view you your coming as an evil. So they responded that, no, your bad omen is with yourselves. In fact, do you take it as a bad omen if you were given a good counsel? Rather, you are a people who cross all limits. Then there came a man rushing from the farthest part of the city, he said that, all oh, my people, follow these emissaries, follow those who do not claim any reward from you and those who are on the right path. Okay. First thing is that this notion of evil omen and ill omen, is there any sense in Deen of Islam? No. In our Deen, there is no such thing that something happened that you should view it as an evil sign or an evil omen or some evil portent. This is... The people of this town, whether it's Antioch or somewhere else, this is being mentioned here in Quran that this is their attitude. This is not something that is viewed as an acceptable attitude in the deen of Islam. But, why were they thinking that? Perhaps some ulama said that they had some sense that these messengers or these emissaries or people and that if you don't listen to them, a punishment may fall you. They viewed it as an evil omen for their own nafs that they we're living a life according to the wills and wishes of their nafs and the coming of these people and the invitation towards deen and Allah سبحانه for the nafs is an evil sign. For the nafs it represents the end of a person's life that they live according to their own wishes and their own pleasures. So when you have the people of the town then rejecting all of these three emissaries, first two were sent, then a third was sent. Now a fourth man comes rushing and is written here from the quote-unquote, farthest part of the town. What it means is that he was from their own townspeople. It's important to know. He was from the people of the Qaliyah. He was a person who already believed in Allah ta'ala and Deen, but he had not been there initially, and by the time word reached him, he came running, and he comes running in the fikr that the rest of his community may take belief. So what is the argument that he uses for them? So the argument that he uses... That you should follow those people who are not asking any payment for you, and then if you do that, then you will follow right guidance. So, this is the same thing that Sayyidina Rasulullah has said several times that he also was not uh, asking anyone for any compensation. So, this is why Allah is mentioning the same story to the people of the Mushrikeen because you had people, Sahaba, who accepted Islam. And then they would also, in addition to the apostles and trying to invite people, they would also try to invite the rest of the Ahlul Quraysh or ethnic Makkah. And that's one of the arguments that they used, that you should follow this person, you know him to be true, or you know that he does not have any desire of money, or he's not doing it for status, or he's not doing it for fame in this world. <laughs> Then verse 22 he's making reference to himself this fourth person who has come who is a believer wa fatarani wa that why not should i worship means he does worship why shouldn't i worship that being who originally created me and to whom each and every one of you will all return at min dunhi and again he's talking that why should I take any As an ilah, any being as a god Except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Indeed if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So again he gives them an that Allah is all merciful If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Intends any harm to reach me Then their intercession Means the intercession of any of those Other false gods were I to take gods along with Allah subhanahu if Allah ar rahman intended any harm to reach me, then none of those other gods I would take additionally would be able to intercede on my behalf, Shay'an, even in the slightest, in any way, wala yunqidhun, nor would they be able to rescue me from Allah subhanahu in any way. Here again we've told you several times that al-Rahman was a name that was known, and this is how Allah was known by in many of these early jewish and christian and pre-islamic communities and if i were to do so then indeed i would be in manifest error so he told them that indeed i have taken iman in your rub." now here it doesn't mean it's not the way muslim would say your rub," not the way that uh, sorry not the way firaun would say your rub" to muslim not the way bani israel would say your rub," meaning that they don't acknowledge him here he believes Allah tells his Rabb but he's making it a point to them that the being I believed in is also your Rabb. So I believe none other than your God. So don't think I believed in some being who is my God and you have your own God. I have believed in that same Allah Santa who is your Rabb, your Lord. Therefore you should listen to me. So he made basically this person, yet a fourth person, gave the whole Khulasah of Deen that they should do ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, that they have to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that all of the other idols in God that it is a worshipper helpless, that they are on the law, they have deviated, and that they should listen and they should hear the call. Now, what happened when he said this? So it comes, uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Masood narr- narrates that when he, this fourth person said this, the people killed him and they had just threatened earlier to kill and stone those earlier emissaries so when this person came they killed him so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is announcing that he has entered he is entering jannah because he has become a martyr jannah so it was said to him enter jannah enter jannah because he has now been martyred by them and his last wish and his last desire was one for his own Qaum. He was yearning out for his people that if only my people had known, if only they had had proper ill. If only they knew what, uh, that, how Allah has forgiven me and how Allah ta'ala has honored me. Means when he was about in to make this journey of shahada. And he saw how much Allah Ta'ala has in store for him. So he thought if only they knew. Right. This could mean a number of things. Number one. If they knew. if Number one. Only if they knew that. Then that would also be a means for them to take iman. When they realized how much Allah Ta'ala has given. Or second. If only they knew. Means that. He is responding to them that you've killed me if only you knew that you haven't taken my life away. In fact, you brought me to a better life, a greater life if only they could see me now and see how much Allah Ta'ala has forgiven me. So this is a person who gave, this is another type of shahada. Shahada doesn't mean to give your life just on the battlefield. Sometimes people gave shahada like it's mentioned here in Quran by inviting people towards deen. That, and those people were so against them they killed them. Or you will find some ulama in this country, especially in the city of Karachi, they become shaheed. What were they doing? They were actually engaged on the battlefield. They were assassinated. Why were they assassinated? Because they were calling people towards the deen. So this person is uh, a similar way. Then, uh, in verse number 28 onwards, what does this model say that we did not... <coughs> Yes 28 وَمَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَىٰ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ مِنْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَمَا Allah says so We did not send down any army to his people after him وَمَا كُنَّا مُنزِلِينَ Nor ever are we going to Or nor ever were we going to What happened? Allah Ta sends a punishment on them For killing number four Or it can be for refusing all four of them One, two, and then three And also number four In إِلَّا Wahidatan. That it was just one single blast that came upon them. One loud, piercing blast that came upon them. Some people translate it as a shriek, some people translate it as a cry. It was one blast that came upon them. And lo, they were finished, they were extinguished, they were wiped out. That what an anguish, uh, hasrat means what anguish, or Allah SWT saying, alas, for Ibad, for the servants and slaves of Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, that no masama yatihim min rasulin illa kanu bihi yastasi'oon, that never has a messenger, any prophet come to them except that they were mocking that Nabi who came to them. Here the term is al ibad. So, what does it mean? Obviously, the ibad of Allah wa ta'ala would not mock a Nabi. This actually, ibad here means insan, means nas. The ibad here doesn't mean people who voluntarily choose to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or who voluntarily submit and view themselves as the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here Allah is addressing humanity that all of you are my slaves. All kufar are the slaves of Allah because He is the master. So Allah saying is hasrat, uh, and this is actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hasrat. This is Allah, this is not the person, this is not number four, this is no one else. Ya has satan al ibad. Allah ta'ala is declaring in the Quran that woe, alas, or woe, or sad, or what anguish one should feel about Allah al ibad about the slaves of Allah. This is all human beings. So every human being is an abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنّى إِلَّا لَيَعْبُدُونَ But their ibadah unubudi is a choice that humanity has not been created except to voluntarily choose to submit and be the servants and slaves of Allah subhanahu mm-hmm. wa ta'ala and worship Him. But here, Ibad is Allah ta'ala referring to all humans. And this is that every single community mocked the Nabi. So Satan, this also is an ayah where Allah ta'ala is giving the possum to salih that the bottom is alone. There is no single Nabi that has ever come in the history of humanity, except that the original recipients and addresses of that revelation were uh mocking uh the teaching of that messenger and so this shows that this is human nature right and so if people mocked all the prophets then there's nothing to uh be surprised that there's no siddiq or no person from the salihin or no alim or no wali except that people have mocked him and people have made fun of him because this is something that has happened to all of the prophets but the main point, like I mentioned to you is first this word iwad and second is the phenomenon of Hasrat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself feels a sad sadden- I mean you cannot speak of sadness but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is lamenting the loss or feeling uh, bad about that loss that is taking place. Alright. Apologies Abdullah. Okay. Similarly, on the other hand, we should realize that no nabi has ever been sent without a follower. Every nabi had people who mocked them, but every nabi had people who followed them as well. Every single nabi had people who followed them or sahaba, and so you have in this case obviously that in this case the nabi had followers from amongst them. Uh, then Allah Spantala sent his punishment. He sends his blast. What does mean what send I don't need to dispatch any army against this nation? It means in order to punish them, Allah ta'ala doesn't need to send an army of angels or any type of army. He can simply decree a large blast to proceed and they will be extinguished. This Arabic word for Idahom, khamidun is a very strong word. It's like you would say they were snuffed out, that their very life force was snuffed out by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just through that blast they were snuffed out of existence and that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment comes they're extinguished they're snuffed out from existence now on the one hand what I was talking what I ended up here in this concept of hasrat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot feel, feel hasrat in So the first one view is that Ya Hasratan is not Allah Taala's feeling of Hasrat. He's saying that humanity and people should feel Hasrat. Believers should feel Hasrat. On those slaves who don't accept the view, uh, accept the belief in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, because Allah Taala's mustagni. He is beyond any need. He has no need for communities to worship Him or believe in Him. But others have felt that, no, this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that his rahmah, because his rahma is a ghalib, his maghfirah is ghalib, his forgiveness is ghalib. So in a sense, hasra, in the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's own irada is that people should all follow all the messengers that he sends. So when something happens, khilafi irada to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Human beings do what Allah Ta'ala doesn't want them to do Then the feeling of that So not like the Urdu meaning of hasrat But the Arabic ex- word that expresses How Allah Ta'ala views humanity When they choose not to take his path of hidayah And maghfara and rahmah That is hasrat right? And this shows incredible mercy of Allah Ta'ala This is a very important thing for you to see That even though Allah Ta'ala just mentioned that he punished them and he just mentioned that he extinguished them and he snuffed them out. And in other places in Quran you have mentioned of the fire of Jahannam and the punishment of the Akhirah, But still Allah subhanahu wa feeling is Hasra. What does it mean that his will and wish always was that all the human beings would respond to the teachings of his messengers. So similarly we should feel the same way that we have also been invited by a Nabi. And many times we may be invited by emissaries of that Nabi or people who represent that Nabi, the ulama, solaha, awliya of this deen. And if we reject their teachings, then you know Allah would have the same feeling of hasra over us. Last thing, same thing, istihza. It's our decision whether we want to be mustahzi'oon of our anbiya, of our Nabiya Kareem, whether <laughs> so we want to mock his path or mock his teaching. All right. So Sahabekum badiyulatul majm'a'in, and all of those who have followed the Anbia are people that we should not mock. So verse thirty-one. Then, after this one, it mentions: Alamiyaro kam ahlakna kablahum min alkurun ya inna anhum alehim la yurjoon <laughs> wa in kullu lam majmiun ladeena mufturun. Then, have they not seen how many? Means they here specifically means the Quraysh. The Quraysh of Makkah, have they not seen how many were the nations that we destroyed before them? Indeed, those nations will never ever return. They will never come back to life again. They will never re-exist again. But they will, each and every one of them will be presented in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala collectively. Right, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that previous nations have done exactly what you are trying to do, Kufar of Quraysh. Which has denied the messenger sent to you, which has mocked the messenger sent to you. You should see what was done to each and every one of them. You should go see their ruins, their relics, right? And then you would realize that they are long since gone. And you will also be long since gone. One reason I, I specifically mentioned this was because the Quraysh were the leading tribe of the Arabs. And because of that they had a certain ta'asub or a certain taqab or a certain pride in the fact that they were the greatest community. Second thing is, as we mentioned, those ruins physically were there. And they were ruins of those civilizations that the Quraysh did pass on their trade routes. Alright? So this is something Allah is mentioning for them in Quran and we should have the same uh lesson for us in this day right whether say the Islam you have uh, example another uh, lessons that you can take out from this passage number one is that Allah ta'ala sends warners in the form of anbiya and like we mentioned too that was coming of surah yasin you will see non anbiya warners second that you have examples of giving dawah in ones twos and groups Example of giving da'wah singly, Sayyidina Ital Islam, example of giving dawah in pair, Sayyidina Musa Islam, Sayyidina Haunul Islam, example of giving da'wah in groups, so these three emissaries that were sent or even if you want to include the fourth person. So what does that mean that when one is not enough, like Sayyidina Musa felt he was enough, then okay to try with two people. If two aren't enough, then the third one came. If the third is enough, then the fourth one came. So it means that as many people are needed Sometimes a person has to engage in group dawah, sometimes a person has to invite people to the Deen individually. Right? Another lesson here is that when he when that fourth messenger speaks to them and he says that you would also be Muhtudun, it means that whenever you do da'wah you should be Bay when you invite somebody towards a deen, your only and only intention is that they should follow Hidayah. You also should have be like the Anbiya, in which they didn't want any reward or compensation in this world. They didn't seek any praise in this world. What they wanted was that they wanted that people should follow Hidayah from Allah This is the foremost reason why, and the only reason, why Dawah should be done. Another way is to look at the way this person talked. So, he said that, why should I not worship? Rather than saying to them when he said that, why should I not worship that one Allah Rahman, right? Instead of saying, why don't you worship? So he's proclaiming himself as a believer openly. And that itself, the Mufassir said, was a big uh, step for him because he previously hadn't done so. But another way is to share your journey to belief with others as opposed to reprimanding and slamming people for the reason why they haven't come to that belief. So one could say the same thing. Right? Somebody says, oh, you become very religious. So instead of saying, well, why aren't you? You should say, well, why shouldn't I, when I've seen how kind and merciful Allah SWT is, when I've seen the beauty of Quran, and then they will get a bit interested, right? But if you slam them, right, and you put them down, then they will not have any interest. So to share one's journey, to show one's journey. So he's basically working very subtly on them. And this is the example of a mukhlis dai, And he was also mukhlis siddiq. He was from the siddiqin, the true followers of uh, the prophets. And then this one I mentioned to you that he says, Amantu so, you should say to people that they came, right? This Allah SWT that I'm worshipping now, He's also your Allah, right? And that's the biggest thing that people have forgotten, that Allah Ta'ala is theirs. So, one very important thing in da'wah is to make people realize that no, Allah Ta'ala is yours. Allah Ta'ala is not exclusively for the people in the Madrasa, or the people who are in Makarama or Medina menorah Allah Taala is yours, and you have forgotten it, and you have to reclaim your lost rub. You have to reclaim your thought. with Allah Subhanahu. All right. Now verses thirty-three to thirty-six and a sign for them is also the dead earth and Allah says we have revived that dead earth and then we produced grains from that dead earth from which people eat and Allah says and we have placed orchards of date palms there and vineyards of graves there and we have caused springs to gush forth why again لِيَأْكُلُوا min so that they may eat you know the people, all of insan may be able to eat from the fruits of all of those orchards and vineyards even though their own hands have not made it what does Amin al are saying is people should reflect on that that you eat from trees you eat the fruit from trees that you yourself did not manufacture you drink the water from springs that yourself did not manufacture. You eat bread from wheat that yourself did not manufacture. So, Allah subhanahu wa saying is saying that all of this should make a person what? That can they not be grateful for Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which Allah subhanahu wa saying, that glory and praise and pure is that being, yani Allah who is created. All the pairs from every couple he has created a pair. al From that which the earth grows. min And from their own cells from people. wa Mimma And even from things that they don't even know. So Allah has created mates, all of them, from what the earth produces, from their own cells, and even from what they don't know. What does this mean? So first of all, right, one can you can even talk about this at the level of cell. So cell division and cell replication, mitosis and meiosis, all of that is basically mates of the cell being born. So this is one isharah Allah is mentioning, one of the ways of His creation through cell division and cell replication. Another way Allah Ta'ala is mentioning specifically in terms of Khalik al-Azwaj, something I mentioned to you earlier, that every single thing Allah Ta'ala has made with a mate. And even there are things in it, that in this universe, that we don't know. So this is a sign of Allah SWT's power. Because the unbelievers were taunt the Prophet وسلم that Allah has no power over us. And Allah SWT is showing them that, look, look, he has power. He has power over every single thing that you're living around. And so Allah Ta'ala is the all-powerful being. Many times these verses are coming in response to the unbelievers asking such questions. The second thing the unbelievers would say is that Allah cannot resurrect. So again, this passage answered that, that just like He causes the dead, barren earth to become infertile dead and barren earth to come back to life by making rain fall upon it or making springs gust deep down underneath it, just like that Allah can revive people back. This is a question, right, when Allah said that not every seed, you didn't manufacture it yourself, so this is the Allah Ta'ala is addressing in the Quran the question that people like to say, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right, there's a question that people say, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So you could say also, what came first, the seed or the grape? What came first, the kernel or the wheat? Or what came first, the date seed or the date tree or the dates? So here Allah is making it clear, right? That, No, you didn't plant this yourself. Allah comes first. This resu- resu- resolution, this pa- resolution, this paradox, how can I say the chicken came first? How can I say the egg came first? The answer to Allah's Allah swt came first. His hukm to create came first. Once his hukm to create came first, original creator, remember Al-Fatih, Al-Fatir, then after that you have successive procreation being done in this particular way. Why does Allah mention many times this couple in Quran, dates and grapes? This was that for the Arabs, and also generally people of the desert, these were the ultimate, ultimate foods. Dates was a food of sustenance for them. It provided so many calories, and those of you who break your fast with dates can realize that three dates are enough. It just quenches your hunger, gives you enough energy to get up and pray Maghrib, right? And grapes were for Laza. Dates was their sustenance, and grapes was their dessert. Grapes doesn't have a ghazah, Grapes was the ultimate lazza for them, was the ultimate sweetness for them, and then also you will see third thing I'll mention: springs gush forth. Now this is what again people who live in the desert, this is they have a special attachment to water, they have a special value for when they find drinking water, so they also view this as a special netma and a blessing of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So Subhan means Allah is free from all flaw and perfect, and Allah has made everything pairs. Even you can view the twin rotating strands of DNA as paired, uh, as pairs. You can talk about gene pairs. You can talk about X and Y chromosome. You can talk about matter and dark matter. You can talk about positive and negative electricity. There are so many ways. That science can catch up onto many pairs, but still, there will always be pairs from which human beings will never know, right? So yes, there may be earlier communities will be amazed enough by dates and grapes and springs. You may need dark matter and matter and order and chaos theory and string theory to become amazed. Whatever it is, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has made all of those intricate aspects of creation. Verses thirty seven to forty al and a sign for them is the layl is the night. Nahar Allah says we draw out the day from it باللمون, and then they are left in darkness. Right? So when Allah wa ta'ala ends the day with it and then lo they are steeped into darkness. What does it mean? Night means when I said draw the day out, it means Allah takes the day out from this earth, and that is how night takes place. Allah removes the sunlight, and then people are left in darkness. And then the sun runs its course that it has been set, you can say it's his orbit Aziz al Alim, and this is the decree and what has been determined by Al Aziz, Almighty Allah Al Alim, omniscient, all knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as far as the moon goes, Kal Qadim and we have stipulated determined phases for the moon until it returns. Literally kal qadim means like and branch of an old date palm, but what it means is when it returns to its original tiny crescent, when it returns to such a small sliver, right after it goes through its whole branches. That small sliver is considered the birth of the new cycle. In modern astronomy, the lunar cycle starts as a new moon. For them, new moon means actually when you can't see it at all. And as you know, for Deen, it's ruyat al hilal. Our cycle of the moon starts when you can see the smallest sliver of it. The smallest trace of a crescent so it goes through a whole phase until it returns back to its start its start here in, Surah, in verse 39 is being mentioned as the mm, fine curved thin crescent of it but literally it means a branch of an old date palm because an old date palm tree that has an old branch is just a thin sliver of a branch and that's the metaphor that allah is using. using La it is not possible for the sin it is not for the sun to overtake or outstrip the moon, nor uh, nor is it possible for the night to outstrip the day. Why? that because each and every single one of them literally it means they swim in an orbit. Each and every one swims in an orbit. you can translate it here that is better that it is floating in an orbit. it is proceeding in its orbit. It cannot leave its orbit right again this is the reality that the earth cannot leave its orbit around the Sun the Sun cannot leave its orbit all right first thing here that when Allah said the Sun travels with the Sun travels towards its destination what does it mean right because people will say today that well the Sun doesn't travel this was a mistake that people had it's actually the earth travels Yes, here Allah ta'ala is not necessarily speaking scientifically because the sun, if you accept that it's stationary and every other planet is orbiting around the sun, but Allah ta'ala can and is perfectly acceptable to speak about the human perspective when you look at the sky and that the sun rises in the east and it makes a journey, right, from one eastern horizon to the western horizon. That is also a journey that the sun makes. Now, it's a journey for you. It seems the sun is making that journey in the sky. In reality, the own earth is rotating around its axis. But that rotation of the axis is what causes us to visually experience this. So, in that sense, in terms of the visually speaking, the sun traveling on the sky, it's always going to go towards its destination, which is it's going to set on the western horizon. That is why Allah subhanahu has mentioned the sun rising from the west, as opposed to setting in the west, is going to be one of the signs of the Day of Judgment. When the sun, instead of traveling towards its destination, it emerges from its destination. Yani, perceptually, for us, when we look at the sky and the horizon, that is what we are going to see. Then this notion of wrapping the day and the night and altering the day and the night, here al is also saying is that one comes after the other. There is nothing that comes in between the day and the night. Right? Again, this is notion of the... Traversing of time That time is always passing Some can also say Khair, I mean that's sufficient for now uh, There's a hadith That uh, well, Why don't I do that for you right? Because some people go to the hadith, The Zidith And the sahih of Bukhari And the sahih of Muslim And that is what? That the sun Travels towards its destination And its destination is between The throne of Allah SWT. So people certain Naysayers have raised questions on this hadith, and what exactly does that mean? That the sun sets at the arch of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Because the sun is actually not moving anywhere, right? The sun is out there in the middle of the solar system, so does that mean the arch of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on top of the sun in the solar system? What does this phenomenon mean? So, if we were to comment on that hadith, uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meant by that, it's not that it's literal. What Allah Ta'ala is saying is that the sun, like everything else, does ibadah. And we have done elsewhere in the Quran this notion of the prostration or the sajda of the sun, right? The sajda of the sun. Now a human being can do sajda by bending themselves and prostrating on the ground. The sun cannot make a physical sajda, right? Because it's round, relatively, whatever, roundish type, star. So here it is a metaphorical sajda. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meant by this is that those who worship the sun, and you would remember Sayyidina in alayhi Islam, so when the sun set, he said, how could the sun be my god? Because it is set, so no scientific person should come to them and say, no, the sun can be your god, because the sun doesn't set, the sun is the center of the solar system, therefore we should go back to worshipping the sun. Right? The point here was that the sun is also subjugated by prostration, it means it is also subject to... And subjugated to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah tells the arsh is also a Kanaya, is a metaphor for his dominion and his command and his sovereignty. So for the sun to be prostrating at the arsh, it simply means the sun, like all of creation, is subject and subjugated to the sovereignty and the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's no notion here that Islam necessarily says that you have to believe that the sun moves, That was a medieval concept, right? That said, uh, as far as modern astronomy goes, the sun is not moving around us, but the whole solar system is moving within this Milky Way galaxy. And in that sense, the sun is moving because the sun is the center of the solar system, right? And if ever science were to discover, which they haven't yet, that the way the solar system moves inside the Milky Way galaxy is part of some type of fixed orbit, then you can even take the literal meaning of this, that because the sun is the center of the solar system, it's the sun that's moving and all the orbits are gravitating around it, so if the solar system moves in a fixed orbit or any fixed course or floating in a fixed pattern right, or in a fixed track in the Milky Way galaxy, then that would mean it is really the sun that is floating in that way. So there may be things that you know even science has not caught up to, and that science may never even be able to discover. Right. Phases of the moon. Do so I think think that is clear? That is what we call the waxing and the waning of the moon. Right. Another phenomenon that you should know astronomically is that every day there are two times. Uh, when the shadow of everything will face makkamakarma this is true for any point in the world every day there are two times when the shadow of everything in the world faces lahore every day there are two times where uh, the shadow of everything faces new york based on where the sun is relative in the sky to the position of those other cities and there are two days in the year and this is true for every point in the world, one in the Northern Hemisphere, one in the Southern Hemisphere, that the shadow of everything in the world at that time, at a particular time, faces the gamma. And in fact, I have upstairs these tables in which one alim of Dhamma had calculated these times. And you can actually witness it if you take like a string and a heavy object, and you note and you will see the shadow of the object is pointing right towards the Kaaba. and this is one actual way that the early astronomers used to calculate the Qibla for the Masajid using this method. This is one of the earlier astronomical methods. So in that sense, when the sun is in that place in top of Makamakarama, the shadow of everything points towards the Kaaba, so that can also be viewed as a sense uh, that everything is prostrating, because the shadow of everything is. Leading to or pointing towards the Kaaba. Then the sun can never overtake the moon. What does that mean? right? Because uh, for us the moon is in orbit around the earth. And there's no concept of the sun overtaking the moon. What it's referring to is the same thing Allah Tala mentioned. That the day cannot overtake the night. What does it mean? That the moon cannot exist during daylight hours. Nor can the sun make an appearance at Nighttime hours. So, as far as our visual experience on the skies, uh, the night sky or the day sky, nothing can overtake or uh, outstrip one another. Verses forty-one to forty-seven. And a sign for them is that we, uh, is the fact that we carried their race and their progeny on the loaded ark. لَهُمْ مِنْ يَرْكَبُونَ And then we made conveyances for them and we made rafts for them if you will like uh, the ark in which they travel means that today people also travel in boats which they could board When نُغْرِقْهُمْ فَلَا سَرِيخَ لَهُمْ وَلَا هُمْ But if we want we could drown them at sea in these rafts Right? So, although Allah Ta'ala made the boat of Nuh alayhi protection from the flood, if Allah Ta'ala wants, the flood can overtake that boat. Also, Allah Ta'ala has made boats for us similar to the boat of Nuh alayhi where we are protected and float on top of the oceans and seas. But if Allah Ta'ala wants, as happens many times in history, ships can be drowned at sea. And if Allah Ta'ala would drown them, then they would be, uh, then they would have no helper. There would be no one to help them nor would they be rescued except Illa ilahin, except by the mercy of Allah ta'ala, which would be a temporary mata in a stay, a temporary stay, a temporary enjoyment ilahin until an appointed term. Yet but when they are told that you should fear what is before them and what is after them? Why? So that they may get the mercy of Allah. How do they respond? But still, whenever a sign from the signs of the Rabb comes to them, or whenever an ayah, come, a verse comes to them from the verses of the revelation of the Rabb, it does not come to them but that they are ever and always turning away from it. They are averse from it. They spurn it. And then when they are also told, Mimma Allah, that you suspend from that which Allah has provided you with كفر that those who disbelieve say to those who believe أنطئموا يشاء الله يشاء الله that should we feed that person that who if Allah Ta'ala wanted Allah Ta'ala could have fed them means they won't give to the poor because look like you say Allah Ta'ala Ta'ala al-razaq. Allah should have fed them if He had wanted to. If He doesn't want to, what's the point for us feeding them? Allah says that you are indeed you are in nothing other than clear and manifest error. Alright, so the first aspect here is of ships. So ships is yet another sign, right? Another sign for them in addition to the sun and the moon and the orbits in which they are floating. Another sign for them is ships and boats that they sail in. Both are creation of the boat That Allah ta'ala gifted human intelligence With the engineering and ship making And shipbuilding capability Or in the way the ships float On the ocean Either way, uh, all of this is a sign for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala This is why you would remember That Sayyidina Rasulullah he so Whenever he traveled He would always make a du'a Before mounting his mount and if anything, even more incredible signs for us today than boats are airplanes, right? This is a sign of the genius Allah Ta'ala has given us and the mercy Allah Ta'ala has given us. Uh, but just like here, Allah says, if we will, we could drown them. And they were just like that many times you have airplane crash. Sometimes, not many times, but often times or a few times you have airplane crashes that is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. so illa rahmatan minna means that if you ever reach harbor safely you reach the destination safely then you should view that that was a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. so you should view it you be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but even that mercy is to live for how long wa mata'an still you will be granted life for a limited period for a appointed term even then you're not going to be able to live forever then, uh, next, Allah Taala had mentioned how these people were. They turned away from all of these signs. They were mu'rideen, they were averse to, and turned away from all of the signs that Allah Taala sent them. So, this is the same thing you will find. This is the notion of the stubbornness, Allah was mentioned, the stubbornness of atheism and the stubbornness of disbelief. And a lot of negativity flows sometimes for these people. And they're very averse, and they're very negative. Sometimes they're very hostile. And no matter how much you try to show them or you convince them, even things that are things they should believe in, you know. For example, a secular atheist would normally, if he was a proper, compassionate secular person, would still believe in helping the poor. But they won't pay the god, Just out of their stubbornness, their Zid, that because god is something of Deen, and I'm an atheist, I don't believe in Deen, so I won't even pay Zagat, even though Zagat is something that they should pay, right? So this is this notion of doing i'raz, of turning away and being averse to Allah. So, this is what Allah mentioned here when it's want to spend, so this is what they say. Now this is a very harsh and crude statement to make that should be spend, uh should we feed those people whom Allah Ta'ala could have fed if He had willed them to. So here Allah Subhanahu said this is extreme, extreme. Now this is a question that people ask in this world, this is an atheist question, that why is there famine? Right? Generally, they ask a question "That why is their evil? They can ask why is their famine, why is their hunger? So the reality is that no, Allah, Allah has put enough risk on earth to feed everyone on earth. It's the evil, foul, godless system of capitalism that has made wealth concentrated in the hands of few that you have billions of people who are suffering in poverty and millions of people who are suffering in hunger. As far as Allah is concerned, he has put enough risk on earth for everyone. Second, he sent a system on earth, which is called Deen of Islam, that if everyone paid their zakat and everyone paid their usher, their 10% agricultural tithe on crops and grains and produce and fruits and vegetables, then world hunger would be eradicated. So Allah Ta'ala can only make a system and guide people to that system beyond that human being's own choice. So when as a collective, if humanity hasn't done so, then they're responsible for world hunger. Allah ta'ala, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to intervene that would be a miracle Allah ta'ala would have to manifest his power on earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen not to do that except in very rare cases because he wants to leave people with the ability to have iman bil ghaib Allah dhina yu'minuna bil ghaib they should believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala believe in the unseen Verses 48 to 54. And then they say, When will this promise come to pass if indeed you are truthful? So, this is again something that we've mentioned many times. Unbelievers would tell the Muslim that when is that day of judgment going to happen? So, what does Allah tell them? They are actually waiting nothing other than that single blast that will overwhelm them, seize them overwhelmingly. When they are just simply arguing and disputing with one another. يرجعون, and at that moment they will not even have any time to make any last wasiyah, to make any last bequest financially, or to make any last nasiha to draw up any will, nor will they ever return to their families. فالصور, and how will that end of time come? It will come that the trumpet will be blown. ينصرؤون, and then when that is When the trumpet is blown, then they will scurry, they will rush from their graves, they will rush forth, or they will scurry and scatter forth from their graves to their rub. And then what will be said to them? What will they say? Then, oh, what woe to us? What is it? Or who is it that has roused us and raised us from our graves? But this is what Allah al rahman the all merciful all benevolent Allah SWT has promised you and indeed all of the emissaries that were sent to you told the truth. So this can be Mursalun generally all of Anbiya to humanity or you can take it to these people who are mentioned in Yasin the people of that Karya who had killed their emissaries and then that blast took over them when they particularly are recited. So here the mercy women, the emissaries, those who were sent to you, had indeed spoken the truth. They will realize it on the day of judgment. Again, here Allah in 53 says, Inkana illa wahidatan. Again, it will just be a single blast. And then though all of a sudden they will all be brought before us, meaning before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this will be that day, that day in which no soul will be wronged in respect to anything in the slightest, in the least, and you will not be recompensed either in reward or in this case it means retribution except for what you used to do. Illa ma kuntum Except for what indeed you used to do. So here this is a notion that the day of judgment will come in a single thing, but people will be arguing. This is a fascinating thing that people will be arguing about Deen, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the way right up to the very end. Right up to the blowing of the trumpet. People will be arguing and debating and disagreeing. So it means that we should never you know, we never have this idealist hope that we're going to establish some system on earth in which nobody will ever argue about deen and there will be no disputes. No, this is going to last all the way to the end of time, all the way to that single blast, that single shriek, that single cry, that single hue, and it's going to last all the way until the trumpet is blown. What does it mean here? People won't be able to make a wasiyah. So this means generally also when death come, comes a person. means they won't be able to leave anything behind. They won't be able to care. The world will be ending at that time. But it means it will come on them so suddenly. This is also by some Allah have been taken to be a shahar. That if you live, wish to leave a wasiyah. You live to leave a bequest and last will and testament. Then you should not wait until your old age. Or wait until you enter Mara Dhamma to do so. You should write that earlier on. This is the same horn and trumpet that we have mentioned that will be blown by the angel Israfil. And here, this is something that we have mentioned to you a few days ago. Here, then Allah Ta'ala, in the end, when Allah SWT mentions that they will scurry and they will go to the rope from their graves, means, okay, some of you may not be alive when that happens. So if you're already in your grave when it comes, you might not be there when the cataclysmic event and terrible blast is sounded out. But when you're in your grave, that blast will be so intense that it will stir you up and wake you up at that point as well. So they will be roused and raised from their graves. And then what will they be told? That this is the promise of Ar-Rahman. This is the promise of All Merciful Allah Subh'anaHu that they had denied. Verses number 5500. Inna jannah yawma fi Indeed the people of Jannah Indeed the people of Jannah will be fi shuglin faqihun. That means they will be merry at work on that day. They will be joyfully occupied on that day. They will happily, merrily be in a shughal or in an occupation on that day. He translated for you as They will be engaged in their activities, happily enjoying them. Alright. They, the believers, people of Jannah, and their spouses, they will be reclining on ara'ik. Uh, they will be on thrown full type couches the and they will be on shade they will be reclining on those couches in the shade right? and what they will have so this is their day of judgment they will have fruits on that day and then they will have whatever they request whatever they will request they will have on that day Salam. They will get a greeting of salam and peace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. min A call and a greeting and a declaration of what is their eternal state will be one of salam. A greeting and a declaration and proclamation of the eternal state. Salam. Qawlam min From their rub, from their most merciful, all merciful rub, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And... Uh... Sayyidina Jabir on the narrator hadith from the Prophet some That when the people of Jannah will be so busy with the fruits And whatever they request Then all of a sudden they will see a bright light And they will look at that light And that light will be at the jalli of the nur of Allah Taala, And then it means that Allah Taala has turned his attention towards them And at that point then Allah Taala will give them this salam Alright, so here's the shift uh, That this is that day uh, so, this is a good shughal. You use this word, I think, in your slang Urdu. So, I think Allah Ta'ala anticipated your Urdu use of this word. So, actually, the people of Jannah on that day will be on a merry shughal, will be enjoying in the shughal, they will be merrily engaged in activities, they will be enjoying, happily spending their time in Jannah. right? And then, what is another very important thing Allah Spantan said here? So, this is that marriage is eternal. This is the very important aspect that when you marry someone, it's an eternal union. They will be your spouse in the hereafter. And this is not like that famous baton joke, right? That once a baton was in the masjid, and the khatib told them that, ah, bivya janat So he asked them, Alana, afterwards, that, wo janat humge, then jannat janat right? It's not to have that attitude, and I'm sure many women could construct equal jokes about the men. So it means that, yes, you will have your husband and wife, but they will be purified of any trait that perhaps was displeasing to you in this world. They will be a jannati version of your husband and a jannati version of your wife. It will not be the dunya version of your husband or the dunya version of your wife. Khair, but the important thing is, again, that because you're going to be with your husband and wife for eternity, you want to choose who your husband and wife is carefully. This is a very important decision, and it's very... Source of great concern and sadness to us personally, how many young and women, young men and women don't make this choice carefully. They make it hastily. Any guy who promises them, you know, an escape, or any guy who promises them some comfort, the poor girl, maybe because she's so insecure, she's willing to give herself up to him. She should think that is this guy going to be in Jannatul for those? That's what she should think. Because I'm going to be with him in Jannah. That should be your question. Yes, he may be able to give me a temporary janat on earth. He may be able to do that. He may be comforting. He may be wealthy. He may be supportive. He may be understanding. He may know my personality. But what is going to be his state in the Akhira? Can he support me in Akhira? Can he build me a home in Akhira? Will he be able to take care of my Akhira? Will he be able to develop with me together in Akhira? That is the question that a woman should look at. And similarly with the men... Uh, the men shouldn't just look at, will she be a good homemaker, or a good wife, or a good caretaker? Uh Will she be able to make you a home in Jannah? Will she be your partner in Jannah? So this is the notion uh, of the eternality of Nikah. And the Neithness, the Uri literally means platforms or thrones. You, couch is not strong enough a word for this. Uh, but really an elevated platform or throne you know, what is it that you guys have something, what is it called, what do you call it, you call it takht also I think, right, that bed without a mattress, even when we were kids used to come to Pakistan, and we be like, yes, so these people have beds without mattresses, pure hard wood, right, so they will be reclining on that, means the ittika means they're reclining, they will be uh, resting and enjoying there, but the ultimate thing that they get is this salam this is the ultimate blessing that the people of jannah will get this proclamation of eternal peace and that allah ta'ala is happy with them and they get that from their rabbi rahim means even in jannah allah ta'ala is our rabb he continues to sustain and provide for us for eternity and allah ta'ala is rahim that his provision and eternal blessings and bounties that he is giving to us all of that is the basis of his mercy verse 59 <laughs> Another famous ayah of Qur'an al-Karim that many of the Salihin used to recite the single verse repeatedly all night in Ta'ajud. What does this mean? That you should separate yourselves on this day, O Mujrimoon, O Criminals, or Wrongdoers, O Sinners, or oppressors. What does it mean that on the Day of Judgment Allah Ta'ala will take now? The reason they would cry about this is not saying Kuffar. It's not saying Munafiqeen. It's not saying Mushrikeen. It's saying mujrimun, which is am. It means the sinners, sinners from the disbelievers, but includes the sinners from the believers. So the sinners will be set aside on that day. They will be told to step aside and stand aside on that day. Alam ahaat ilaykum ya bani Adam, and they will be addressed. Did I, Allah Taala, will say that? Did I not take a pledge from you, O bani Adam? Allah ta'budu ash-shaytan that you would not worship, you would certainly not worship the indahu lakam adubun mubeen, that indeed he was the open and manifest enemy to you. Wa anibuduni, and did I not take the promise that you would worship and worship only me, Allah Ta'ala says, Hada salatun mustaqim, indeed this, or you can say that, was the straight path. وَلَكَنْ Indeed, that Iblis has misled a large group from you. He has led astray a great many of you. Have you not realized? Did you not realize? So then, هَذِهِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ This is that Jahannam about which you were warned. إِسْلَوْهَ الْيَوْمَ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ So you should enter into it and burn in it Today, for all of that which you used to disbelieve, And this will be the day that we shall seal and set a seal on their mouths, on their lips. And this will be the day that their hands will testify to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and their feet will testify to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. About bimakanu Yaqsibun, about each and every single thing that they committed, each and everything that they did, every place the foot, the, our feet took us to, all the places that we made our feet take us to, all of that will be testified by our bodies. So this is intense ayah of Quran al-Kareem, right? So this is one dua that we should make in this month of Ramadan that Allah Ta'ala don't make us amongst the moon. We don't want to be amongst the sinners, about the wrongdoers, we don't want to be amongst the Mu'mineen. We don't want to be amongst those who Allah Ta'ala makes to stand out. And specifically this is Imam Abu Hunifari Mullah who used to recite this verse sometimes over and over again in his tajjad salah, in his night salah. Then Allah Ta'ala mentions to these people how they became a Mujrim, what led them into sin. What led them into sin in their leaving the worship of Allah Ta'ala and following the path of shaitan. So what it means that either there's only two options. There's no question of apni marzi. Either you're doing Ki marzi or you're doing ibliski marzi. That's what Allah Ta'ala is saying. You weren't let to sin because you followed your own ease. You actually, that concept of following your own ease and your own wishes and your own will was actually the way of shaitan. And he's misled a large group, jibilan kathira, a large group. A large contingent of people, contingents, mass contingents of people have been led astray. Even though you will see "jibl Jim, Ba, Lam from the same root as mountain, it denotes a mass, even though we're jibble, that's why I'm translating as contingent, mass contingents of you has he led astray. Such a large mountain people. And then Allah mentions the punishment of the fire of Jahannam. Right? The fire of Jahannam. Before that, the last part was, Afalam <laughs> takunu That did you do not use your uql, your lobe, Didn't you use your sense? It means that that uql is recognized in Quran that leads a person to leave Shaitan and worship ar-Rahman That That is what Quran calls uql. And many people actually, on the basis of their uql, their quote-unquote akl, they leave Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and worship Shaitan. So that's not even viewed as uql by Allah Subhanahu wa is the name of that precisely, that proper sense and perception and real understanding that is governed and molded and shaped by Wahi and Qur'an and Sunnah that leads a person to realize that they should stop worshipping their nafs and shaitan and they should worship Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala alone. On that day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sealed the person's lips there are a number of things that will testify to our sins on the day of judgment number one is the book of deeds itself number two is Quran and Kattabin. number three is this ayah our own limbs and organs will tell Allah Spantah what we used to say or what we used to use our lips for what we used our hands for what we used our feet for every single body part is going to now here this is what we call that specific parts are mentioned but it is a reference to the entire body by mentioning a few Limbs by mentioning the jiz, the ishara, is towards the kul, every single limb and organ will testify against a person. Now, obviously, Allah Ta'ala doesn't need this, but this is part of the torment, part of the punishment. Allah Ta'ala knows, He doesn't need our lips to tell Allah. Ta'ala. But to make a person, that's another type of punishment. It's part of, you would have seen sometimes Allah Ta'ala mentions that adab is alim, is painful. Sometimes He mentions that muheen from ihana toheen, it's humiliating. So the person will be, this will be part of the humiliation that a person's own limbs will testify against them. It's also part of the punishment or humiliation that many times a person does sin sometimes for the physical pleasure of their organs. So when their own organs will disavow themselves and testify against that person that they had no desire for such a pleasure. So this is what is meant over here. Then now next verse, verse number 66. <inaudible> Allah Ta'ala says that if we were to will, that if we wished, we would have erased their eyesight. It means we could have obliterated their eyes. And then, they would, even if they raced for the path, how would they have been able to see? What does it mean? Allah is saying that we had mentioned this before, that if Allah Ta'ala wants, He could dispense with all of this and just snuff us out. Or Allah Ta'ala could simply just forget all of the stages in the Day of Judgment and then toss a person directly into Jahannam. Or Allah Ta'ala can snuff and obliterate our eyes out and then we'll be running to and fro. And how we'll be able to see we would have no way, we wouldn't know where to go. So Allah Ta'ala in this world, retain us with our eyesight, letting us to continue to use our free will. And on that day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although they will be spiritually blind, they will not be able to see him, but they will be able to see and perceive their own uh, judgment. Verse sixty seven. And Allah, said, if we had wished we could have transfigured them, transmuted them right where they were, right where they stand in the on their Makan, right where they were and where they stand. Fa and then they would have been unable to go, they could neither go onward nor they could have gone backwards. What does this mean? So Allah is saying that He could have punished us in any way. He's punished previous nations as common Quran by turning them into monkeys. Allah could have deprived us of our senses. He could have done anything to us. Anything to us. But those same limbs will testify against us on the Day of Judgment. And then the last thing above, مَنْ نُعَمِّرْهُ نُنَكِّسْهُ فِي الْقَلْبِ أَفَلَا يَعْقِلُونَ Allah says, in that person, whoever we grant long life, we advance them in age, Allah says, we reverse them in khalq, in their capacities, in their abilities, افلا يَعْقِلُونَ Don't they understand? Don't they realize? What does that mean? That as a human being grows older, their faculties and abilities, their bet. Ab- Reduced, and he gradually loses them, whether he loses his earring, hearing, he becomes weak sighted, loses their teeth, becomes weak in physical strength, gets joint pain. All of this was for a person who would realize, right? Afala that death is coming. These were all indications of death. These were all portents of death. These were all precursors of death. Next, now, then we move to another topic, and Allah is going to address the unbelievers, and specifically, there that they would level against Sayyidina Rasulullah s.a.w. وَأَمَّا أَلَّمْنَاهُ <الشَّعْرَة> so saying is no, we did not teach him poetry what does it mean? that Nabi Akram is not a poet he's not a poet and indeed he has no need for such poetry or such po- knowing such poetry would not befit him in illa mubin. indeed this is but an advice and admonishment Quran mubin. it is a clear recita- recited Quran so, this is that Allah SWT saying that the Qur'an is not poetry. Even, yes, there are certain poetic aspects to it, such as Surah Al-Rahman, there are certain features in it, but it is not poetry in the sense it is not imaginary figments of the mind of a poet or a representation of the poet's psyche and emotions, but rather it is revelation from Allah SWT. And when, it, when, the, when the Prophet said said, Ma it means that such speech, it does not befit a Prophet That he should guide people on the basis of his own personal emotions and psyche. A prophet, is. it befits him to only guide humanity on the basis of the wahi of the revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to them. I've already explained to you earlier once that poetry in of itself is not impermissible. Um, Poetry is permissible but with the certain caveats that we explained to you a few days ago. This is the clear Qur'an. Clear Qur'an. (laughs) the مَنْ So that the possum can warn whomsoever is alive who has life in them. And also this is to establish the haq the testimony against those who are unbelievers, to establish the true proof against the disbelievers. (laughs) That do they not see? Do they not see that we have made livestock for them from the products of and from the and products of their own hands means their own handicraft and for whom Laha Malakun and we have given them control and mastery over them. We, so what is this I referring to that if you look at all of the things that Allah subhanahu enabled a human being to do, right? The human being is able to master the uh, animals, the human being is to master reeds and other things through which uh, straw through which a person makes handicrafts all of this is also a sign that people should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, uh, and we have subjugated these animals to them from some of them they use them as mounts and steeds from some of them they eat their meat. fiha and from these animals they derive many many benefits, and they drink their milk So are they not going to be grateful? But instead what do they do? But allahi that instead they are taking various other gods besides Allah. La the false hope In the hope but it is false in the hope that they may be helped. La that no none of these other deities have any a capacity and the ability to help them and then in fact all of those false gods and idols that they believe in will be amassed as a group, really as an army against them on the day of judgment. Uh, they will be amassed against them on the day of judgment. Fala Inna wa ma so then here Allah tells us that the Prophet Salam that don't let what they say, don't let their speech or their statement grieve you in any way. Indeed we are aware of everything that they conceal and everything that they reveal. Alright, so this is again similar topics that we have done, uh, nothing new here per se. Verses seventy seven arms Anna Hum And has not humanity seen and reflected on the fact that we have created them from a drop and now all of a sudden after being created for a, a drop who <laughs> a means they have become an open adversary, open disputer, open disputant to Allah and His prophets. So there was a Mushrik by the name of Asib ibn Nawal. He once came to Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he brought a bone with him. And he showed him that bone and he said that okay look, will you revive this will Allah ta'ala revive this bone after I've thrown it away? And the Prophet said, Yes, Allah ta'ala can certainly revive it. He will take your life, he will resurrect you from bones and he will throw you into Jannah. And this is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these verses that has in sound have people not seen. That Allah Ta'ala created them even originally from just a drop, a sea drop which is even shorter than a bone, smaller than a bone. Why did they doubt Allah Ta'ala's ability to create him from bones? Why is it that now they've become an open adversary? So here, And Allah is that being who has drawn comparisons for us, coined similitudes for us, made similes and metaphors for us. nasiya However, they forget themselves. They forget their own creation. And what do they say? Kaala That who is it who can revive the bones? Wahiyya And when the bones are in such a state they have decomposed or they have rotted so say to them, مرة, That yes, that answered your question. that same one, that same being can revive them after they have rotted and decomposed. That same one who ansha'aha who had created them in the very first place. alim, and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has knowledge about each and every creation, about each and every creature. من الشجر فإذا أنتم منه and Allah سبحانه that being who has produced fire from from the green tree from which then you kindle fire onwards and does the one means this one means Allah means Allah does that one Allah who has created the heavens and the earth and he is able to create their likeness, bala. Why not? Can, why not? Could Allah سبحانه do that? Certainly, Allah سبحانه is halaq. He is the absolute creator. Al-aleem. He is the all-knowing. إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ And it is Allah's affair and matter that whenever He wishes and wills a thing to be He simply decrees to it, says to it, decrees to it, proclaims to it كُنْ be فَيَكُونَ And then it comes to being تُرْجَعُونَ And pure and exalted is that being Allah in whose power lies each and every single thing and to whom each and every one of you shall be returned. So here Allah wa ta'ala simply mentioned that man forgets his own origins, that he was created from nothing, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create him again so it is when Allah SWT has mentioned all of these signs of his in the beginning the sun and the moon and the orbits and the night and the day so that being Allah who has mastery over such large and powerful phenomenon who has mastery over all of the heavens and the earth who is such a master creator that he can originally create creation then to raise this question and take a bone and wonder how Allah SWT can resurrect human beings back from a bone is folly in fact then Allah ta'ala even reveals his masterful aspect of creation all he has to do is to say anything couldn't be and it becomes. Allah does not need to create using Asbab. That was one choice of his in this world. He has created through Asbab. Allah Ta'ala can create anything without a sabab. He can create a human without parents. He can create the universe without the Big Bang. He can create anything without a Sabab that is also his might and power. And this is something that I don't know if we mentioned this here, but we do normally tell you that there are two ways Allah Ta'ala creates one is through his command which is his Amr Kun and that is known as Alim Amr the world of things created by his command and there's a second thing which is known as Alim Khalq those things that are created through asbab, through means so amongst the things Allah Ta'ala created by his command are his Arsh it's not like he got a team of angel carpenters to build an Arsh for him no he said Kun be, and it came into existence all of Jannah was created by Allah Ta'ala simply by a command. There's no big bang and evolution that took place in Jannah. Allah Ta'ala simply said, Be, and it became all of Jahannam is the same way. He said, Be, and it became all of the angels of the same way. Be, and they came into existence. There's no procreation in them. So there are many aspects of Allah Ta'ala's creation that He simply creates by saying, Be, and it shall become. And human beings can even be resurrected on the Day of Judgment in that way. So here ends al Safat. Here, I also sometimes normally when we mention Jannah, since we have a little bit of time today, I'll mention that to you. That it's one of the amazing things that Allah has created, what we normally call Jannah. What do I mean by that? So, Jannah is the eternal unending abode. It has endless life. It has endless risk because every single person in Jannah will have anything and everything they want for all of eternity. Every nekmah and bounty and blessing a person in Jannah asks Allah they will have it. So imagine how quote-unquote stalked Allah Ta'ala has how much he has stalked Jannah. Then the smallest Jannah like I told you is ten times the size of this earth or ten times the size of the entire known physical universe. So imagine how amazing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He can create and design, design and architecturally design and embed in such an intricate multi-layered Darajah Jannah which will be populated by the Anbiya Jannah for those in such a massive way with all bounties and blessings for all of eternity Allah creative power and capacity is such that that entire massive limitless endless miraculous Jannah all was created simply by one irada of his, kun yukun. Imagine what incredible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is when he can create Jannah in such such an incredible Jannah just by saying kun yukun. Next surah is surah al-Safat. This is surah number 37 of Qur'an al-Kareem. Right here we're going to have a, ma- a couple of major stories. One is the story of Sayyidin Ibrahim Islam and the Ziba, and the command to Ziba, or to slaughter his son, Sayyidina Ismail Islam. Some mention again of many prophets, including Sayyidin Yunuslam Islam, and the incident of him going inside the belly of the whale. These are two of the major stories. that are the story of Sayyidin Ayyub that's coming, through Saad. sa uh, Two, three major stories in Surah Tussafat. وَالصَّفَةِ صَفَّةِ صَفَّةِ So Allah Ta'ala is first, wow is for qasam, so Allah Ta'ala is swearing by those who stand in rows. So who are those who are standing? صَفَّةِ Means standing well, in well standing side by side in well-formed rows. These are the angels of Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Sayyidina Sallallahu Sallallahu Sallam once in a hadith, mentioned this to the Sahabah. That, uh, will you not form rows like the angels who form rows in front of Allah? So, when the Salah asked the Prophet, how is it that the angels form their rows? He said they first complete the rows in the front and they stand close together. Right? So here Allah sponsor standing by the, uh, swearing by the well-ordered, uh, rows of the angels. So this refers to then in Salah that, uh, people should, uh, stand in rows in their Salah. When the Prophet said, they stand close together. So close together does not mean that you have to stand foot to foot, right? In fact, many times people, when they spread their feet so wide that they want to stand foot to foot, there are lots of gaps between their shoulders and their elbows. So the more proper way to stand close together is from your shoulder to elbow. The shoulder to elbow should be touching. And if you stand with your feet very widespread and you stick your elbow out, then maybe you'll be touching elbow to elbow. So the real way to stand in formation... You see an army today, when they stand in formation, every soldier next to one another, the entire part from the shoulder to elbow is touching the shoulder elbow to the next one. Their feet are not touching one another. Their feet are at standard shoulder width in a standard width. So the real way to form rows is to stand close together means from shoulder to elbow you should be touching one another. And your feet should not be more than shoulder width because then if your feet are more than shoulder width then your shoulder won't be able to touch the persons next to yours. This is the sunnah way of standing uh, close to one another inside Salah. Second, the Nalus Monsa said, and second is that Allah Ta'ala swears by the angels, again, who Censure. Censure means that those who he's translated prevent firmly. Zajr. Right? Some of you may if you Urdu is better would know this Urdu word taken from Arabic. Zajr means those who censor, who reprimand, who prevent, who stop. This Allah Talla Mufassirin have mentioned uh Allah Alusinam Mani has said that this refers to those angels who stop the Shayateen, who counter the Shayateen who counter evil, who sometimes even try to counter a person from doing sin by putting some impediment in his way or trying to misdirect him from the way. So the zajr of the angels is being done in a good way that they prevent good people from doing bad deeds. Ataliyati zikra, third aspect in Allah Ta'ala swears by the angels who are reciting the scriptures, the zikr, the reminder, the scriptures to the anbiya. So these are the angels who convey the scriptures from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Anbiya. This is one interpretation. Second is that those angels who uh, are doing... By zikr it doesn't mean Quran. By zikr it means zikr. By the angels who are doing the zikr and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these oaths Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took, these three qasams, all of this... To say what? إِنَّ la wahid, That indeed your Allah, your deity is one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These three oaths were taken to bring this point. This is one of the sunnahs of Allah subhanahu in Quran. That he often takes an oath for this reason. Uh, to emphasize a point. So Allah ta'ala, your Rabb is one. And who is your al wa And Allah wa is the Rabb of the heavens and the earth. And whatever is between them. وَرَبُّ الْمَشَارِقِ And Allah Ta'ala is a Rub of all of the points of the sun's rising. What does that mean? So sometimes you will find this Rab al-Mashriq wal-Maghrib. Allah Ta'ala is the Rub of the east of the west. And so Rahman you will have Rab al-Mashriqaini وRab al-Maghribaini. And we'll explain it then when we do it. What does it mean to have the two east and the two west? Here Rab al can mean, if you take Meshach, to mean every single place where the sun rises, it means Allah is rub of all places on earth. There is no place on earth or community on earth which is beyond his rububiyah. He is the rub of every single latitude, longitude, attitude on earth because there is no latitude, longitude or at- altitude on earth other than the sun rises from it. Then Allah says, indeed we have adorned and beautified and decorated the sky with the Mm, adornments of the the ornament of stars and to guard against every rebellious shaitan so that they may not eavesdrop on the council, means that great council of the angels and then they will be ousted and pelted from every side and they will be repelled and they shall have an eternal punishment a lasting punishment إِلَّا مَنْ خَطِفَ الْخَطِفَ except that one who is able to snatch, grab a snatch of something and then what happens when he does that, فَأَتْبَأْهُ شِحَابًا And then a flaming... Uh, a flaming fire will pursue him. Alright. What does this mean? So first of all, the stores and adornment of the sky. That we can understand that there's a beauty when we look from our planet Earth perspective at the sky. But... What happened was that the shayateen used to frequently ascend all the way up to the skies, past the stars, and then transcend beyond physical universe into the realm of the beyond, which is the angelic realm. So there's also an alam which is known as the alam of the manaika. So one is Allah Ta'ala's own presence, one is the physical universe, one is the realm of the angels. So the realm of the angels is something that is transcend or beyond, uh, but yes, you would have to physically go up. If you were going to travel, because the realm of the angels also has spatiality, so it exists in space, but it is around or surrounding our physical universe. Uh, and in fact, this is something that makes even more sense because now we know that the star- stars we see in the sky are not on the sky; they're billions and billions of light years away, right? So. Going past the stars really means in Qur'an going past this realm of physical universe into a different dimension or plane of existence altogether which is also spatial, which is the realm of the angels. Beyond that is the kursi and the arsh and is a different realm altogether which is a realm of wujud, a realm of being but it has no temporality, no spatiality. That is Allah Ta'ala's realm. That is what we call la makana lahu, la zaman lahu. Here this is a bit maybe. Philosophical theology to go to in present right now, right? But just want to explain to you because some people, right, when they don't understand the theology of Deen, they think they can also scientifically refute this ayah, right? No. <laughs> I see the stars are the denotion of the horizon and frontiers of the physical universe. They're not here, meant here in the sky. Alright. So, what would happen to so the jinn is to try to go all the way to the frontiers of the physical universe up to the angelic realm. And either they tried to corrupt revelation or some of them are trying to listen to that revelation. So that is what is being mentioned here in I number eight, so that they cannot eavesdrop, right? That's how we would put it, how is he put it here? So that they cannot listen, listen, eavesdrop to the upper realm. So the upper realm is what I was mentioning to you with the angelic realm. Right? mala il atla. So Al Mala il Atla is the upper realm, the upper height, the supreme heights which is the angelic realms so they try to do that but instead that they are ousted from every single side or you can also say they are pelted, yes they are hit or pelted from every side, they are driven off and for them there will be a lasting punishment however if one snatches a little bit they will be pursued by a bright flame what does that mean that Allah SWT will uh, if any one of those jinnat when they go up and they hear something then a flaming star is hurled at him Right? And that star will scorch them or burn them. So, yes, some have said this may be the meaning of the shooting star, but it's not necessary every time you see a shooting star that this phenomenon is happening. But it may have happened that Allah took an entire star, and that was, that's an entire punishment, right? Because you don't, these stars are like supernovas. For somebody to be burned to death by a fire in this world, that is something. For somebody, for a jinn, to be burned to death by a supernova, being in, engulfing him is a terrible punishment Allah is mentioning this punishment for those really evil jinn shiateen who were trying to interfere with Allah's revelation and the sending of the angels down to the prophets to convey that wahi and that revelation right? okay verse number, verses number 11 to 21 so now ask them whether their creation and their constitution, their makeup, is more solid than anything we have created, for indeed we have made them out of cohesive clay. You will be surprised, and while they mock and they jeer, when they are warned and given advice, they choose to take no heed. When they see a sign and a miracle, they make a mockery of it. What do they say? They say that this is nothing but obvious magic and enchantment. It is nothing else than that. They ask the question, what? Will we be resurrected after we have died and have become dust and bones? And then they say that, and our ancestors also, will that happen to them? Our ancestors and forefathers from earliest ancient times. So say to them, yes, say to them, yes, and you will be disgraced. And then it will be but a single cry, a single blast that will be uttered. After which they will all instantly look up and see... And they will say, Alas, woe to us indeed, this is the day of judgment, this is the day of decision, this is the day that you used to deny. Right. So this is a warning in Quran Karim for those who ridicule the day of judgment. What does this mean Allah saying that when Allah ta'ala is able to create such gigantic and powerful creations, he will realize that for Allah to resurrect a person is very easy. When Allah Ta'ala said here in verse number eleven that we have created them from cohesive clay, it means that Allah Ta'ala originally made man from something that had no form nor had any structure, so the elements of the earth, calcium, potassium, what's in your bones, your iron, the iron in your blood, and your bones, and the flesh, and your sinew and tendon, and if itself had no shape, all of this was shaped, whether you can take this to mean the original shaping of Sayyidina Adam Islam or you can take it how all of this takes place. After fertilization, the fertilized embryo develops all of these things. So this is the notion of cohesive or shaped clay. Something that was formless is given form. Here, the Spontilla is mocking back, if you will, the sarcasm of the disbelievers. Allah Taala saying is, "No, in a sense, you jeer and joke and you jest and you mock and you snide. Actually, no, in a sense, on the Day of Judgment, the joke will be on you." And you will see that no, indeed, this is in fact the day. This is the day of reckoning. This is the day of judgment. This is the day of we'll promise. We will call Ya That indeed this was the day of This is the day of Fasl. Fasl means the day of discernment, distinction, separation of judgment. kuntum bihi The very same day that you denied, you rejected, you viewed to be false. Verses number 22 two onwards. Salas so said, said, that you should gather and assemble all of them, who allatheena dhulamu, those who are wrongdoers and oppressors, wa azwajuhum, and here it doesn't necessarily mean their wives here, here azwaj means their mates, their companions, their companions in sin, their companions in sin. wa makanu yub'adun, wa ma makanu ma ya'budun, and eaten everything that they worshipped min other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they worship idols other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they worship the sun other than Allah gather all of them all of their companions and everything they worshipped fa-ihduuhum ila Jahim, and then you should lead all of them let them be led all to the path of Jahim, to the blazing inferno then you should stop them innahum mas'udun then each and every one of them will be questioned so here, this ayah originally, its recitation, its revelation, is, you see again, this word, alladina zalamu, right? So zalamu is not just hostile to the kufar or mushrikeen or munafiqeen. Zalamu means all the wrongdoers, all the unjust, all the oppressors can even be from amongst the believers. So waqifuhum innahum mas'udun means that halt them, stop them, for they have to be questioned. So for the sinning believers, what does this mean? That the sinning mu'mineen will be thinking they will go to Jannah. But then they will be stopped. And Allah will question them about the sins that they used to do. Or about the sinful habits they used to invite and enjoy upon one another. So then they will ask, مَالَكُمْ لَا that What's the matter whether you're not able to help one another? You can't assist one another here. It means again they will be mocked at. This is part of the humiliation of the punishment on the Day of Judgment. Right now Allah does not need to speak like this Allah is not doing this out of any need or enjoyment that he takes any enjoyment in mocking and derision but this is part of the way Allah Taala is punishing them to make them feel more fear to make them feel more remorse and regret over the disbelief that they had in this world but on that day they will have surrendered means they will have surrendered to Allah and then they will turn to one another and they will start questioning one another. And what will they say? They will say that, <laughs> That you were the ones who used to come to us claiming right. Right? al mean claiming right and might. But then the leaders will reply, They will reply that, No, you weren't, but you were never believers. Sultan, and we never had any authority over you that we forced you not to believe, but indeed you yourself zalimin, you that you yourself were a rebellious nation and unruly people. And now Fahakka Kolu Rabina and now the decree and the truthful decree of our the truth of the decree has manifested against us. You can also say that Allah word has proven true against us on this day. In And indeed, surely we shall all taste. Means we will be the ones who taste the suffering of the torment of Jahannam. And then they say, فَأَغْوَيْنَاكُمْ For we led you astray. إِنَّا kunna And we ourselves were misguided in the astray. So on that day, what will happen? فَإِنَّهُمْ يَوْمِ إِذْنَ فِالْأَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ on that day they will all share in the punishment and the agony. For that what وَاتْ إِنَّكَ ذَلَكَ نَفْعَلُوا بِالْمُجْرِمِينَ Allah tells says, For that is what we will do and how we will treat the mujrimeen, the sinners and the wrongdoers. إِنَّهُمْ Who are those sinners? They were the ones. who كَانُوا إِذَا كِيلُ La لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا الله. The ones who were told that there was no being of worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ They were arrogant and insolent and haughty. And instead they used to say That should we really leave our own gods For what for an insane crazed poet Or if you take majnun to mean possessed For a poet who is possessed So what does this mean? This discussing very simply how the kuffar will blame one another On the day of judgment And then some will even acknowledge that yes we were misguided And we misguided you Right? But still, those who listen will not be absolved because they voluntarily made the decision to disbelieve themselves. So, primarily, yes, this is about the kufar, but you can still think that it's possible that some of this may happen to the sinning believers. Verse 37 onwards, about Nabi Akrim, right? And they're just refuting the allegation that this allegation is in the same poet. But no rather, the falseism has come with Huck, and indeed he is sonda condentus he has only verified the truth that the previous prophets and messengers had come with before him in indeed, you will all certainly taste a painful punishment, but wa to zona kuntum datm, but you will not be given retribution except for that which you used to do for the deeds that you have done. Illa Ibad Lahil Which does it mean literally it means accept the sincere Muhlsin in its fact not even sincere, how can I translate it if you're in English? Mukhlas مخلص. Muhlisin are those who are sincere. Mukhlas are those who have been made sincere, who are made sincere. So the Ibad of Allah Span, the servants of slaves of Allah Subhanahu the servants who were made sincere chosen okay they were chosen by Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and he created ikhlas in them by choosing them their situation will be different what does it mean illa means all of this will take place to all of humanity except so again this is why some people have said that what could happen could happen to the sinning believers because the sinning believers don't fall under this category ibadillah al right those are the worshipful servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Chosen to endow them with sincerity and purity But will they have They will be given a known and determined risk and provision They will be given fruits of delight right? And they will be treated with honor and dignity Where will they be? They will be inside Jannat and Naeem In gardens, eternal gardens of felicity and bliss And they will be Sitting on thrones or divans, with the kabelein facing one another, yutafu alehim bekasim and they will be presented with cups from a fountain, will be passed around to them. it will be white, and it will be lazza. It will be a pure delight and joy and pleasure for those who are asked to drink it. La fiha غَوْلٌ And that there will be no intoxication in it, nor uh, will they become inebriated from it. There will be no, you know, some people may translate this, there's no rush from it, and nor will they be inebriated from it. Also, these are two effects that the liquor and alcohol have today. Headache, okay, headache. What you call a rush, a head rush. This is one thing that happens to people who drink. And second, they get a intoxication, inebriated. So we can say there will be no intoxication in their head from it, nor will they become inebriated in it by it. All right. And now verse 48. And with them, with them in their jannah, the They will be let's say, demure women with large eyes, that's one way to say it, or you can say that demure women whose gazes are ever lowered, uh, as if they are, uh, literally it means as if they are preserved eggs, what it means is that they are delicate and chaste. They are like preserved eggs, but the purpose of that, uh, metaphor is that they're delicate and chaste. Okay, let's stop over here. This is, uh, so the, the kufar, Allah, Allah Ta'ala is refuting the allegations of the kufar over here, that the Prophet is not an insane poet, he has come to you with truth, and those who have been granted salvation, so mukhlasin means Allah Ta'ala has chosen them for the akhirah, for jannah, on account of their iman, and uh, they will have, first of all, they will be presented with goblets filled with a pure drink. So, Mahadeith, it is mentioned that in Jannah, there will be four rivers of milk, water, honey, and, uh, a type of wine, you can say. But the wine, this is what they mentioned, is not like the wine of this world. Uh, it is a proper, it's a drink, uh, a flowing drink that will neither give any intoxication nor any inebriation. Alright? Now, verse number 48, this notion of the wide-eyed damsels, or the women who are so pure and beautiful, it will seem as if they are... Now, in English, this doesn't seem like it. This is why sometimes in translation, things are lost. If you say that you're going to get women who are so pure, beautiful, attractive, they will seem like preserved and protected eggs. That uh, does not really resonate to somebody as if they're eggs hidden Even if you say eggs hidden under feathers protected from pollution, that makes it even more confusing. What does it mean? It means that they are chaste. It's referring to the notion that the egg in the nest under the feathers of the bird is chaste, as pure. You understand, chaste, pure, untouched. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're gonna do this in Surah Rahman next week. They will, they're like, Allah ta'ala there, He describes the women that they are like rubies and pearls, uh, Alright, and that the women there This notion that It means that they are demure They cast their gazes downward Means they have no interest in anyone Except that person in Jannah To whom they are given Uh Yes, that's what you can explain Alright, there's something I did last year So I'm not going to do this again This whole issue about men and women and do Why do men get hurries And do women get hurries And yet another reason to force you to Listen to, not force you, sorry, to entice you to listen to last year's recordings. People always have questions on this topic. Amazing. I'm always amazed that when Allah Ta'ala is mentioning a blessing that is going to give to people in Jannah, even that has been the subject of the naysayers' critique and questioning and analysis, that why is it like this and why is not it like that and which gender gets what and who gets what. So I discussed this once in detail last year. I won't repeat it again. Why this they will face one another, they will be gazing at one another. So the people of Jannah will be gazing one another and then they will ask a question. So one of them will say, ilum minhum." that one sayer from amongst them, one of them li that indeed I had a close companion, close companion, and that close companion would you yakulu a That are you amongst those people who have done deed, who have confirmed and you have taken iman. Right, so he's remembering his friend who used to ask him that. Or oh, you really you? Right? Are you one of the ones who believed and you're accepting iman and you're believing in Allah Taala? So he will remember that. Right, uh, and that person would ask him. Right, and he that person wouldn't believe why, because he had this mocking response <laughs> that is it really possible that after we are uh you know after we die and we become sand, dust, and bones that we really will be uh we really will be face the jaza or the retribution of what we do so call so he will ask, hal antum مُطَّلِئُونَ that do you want to have a look Fa so then when he takes a look for fi sawa il jahim then he will see that companion of his in the middle right sawa il jahim right in the middle of the center of engulfed in that blazing inferno and then what is that person saying so callallah in uh, in kitalatur deen, that indeed by Allah's Father, you've nearly brought me to destruction. You nearly, you almost destroyed me. la rabbi, that if it had not been for the bounty of my Rabb, lakuntu minal muhdareen, indeed I would also have been from those who were summoned. Okay. What does this mean? Alright, so this person will, uh, the believer is addressing his worldly whatever you want to say, worldly kafir companion, that you almost destroyed me, you almost dissuaded me, you used to mock and ask me these questions, are we really going to be resurrected, when we're just dust and bones, you came close, you came close to diverting me, and if it wasn't for Allah, He doesn't attribute it to Himself, it wasn't for the na'ma til rabbi, if it wasn't for the bounty and blessing of my rub. I would have been those, who were, literally means who were brought forward, who were summoned, but it means who have been summoned to suffer punishment with you, I would have been with you right now, Right? So this means that some people of Jannah will remember these people and they will be able to see them in Jahannam and see the punishment that they are uh succumbed. Right? And that is nothing, you know, uh Jannah to Jahannam will have a vast distance, but you know, you can imagine like a video call. Hmm? He will be allowed to take a video call from Jahannam and he will see that person. So uh then uh, the last verse, I missed one verse, 61 oh sorry, 58 <laughs> and is it not that we shall uh, are we not then to die except our first death and we will not be punishment إِنَّ الْفَوْزُ Indeed, this is the greatest success What does it mean that now he will address his fellow believers in Jannah And he will say that Is it not so that we shall not die again except for our first death And we shall not be punishment What does it mean that now that you've entered Jannah You died, the first death was your death on earth You will not die in Jannah now You will never die Jannah is a place where you will be undying, you will live for all of eternally. Inna <coughs> hada, yeah, inna hada lahul adhim. And this is indeed the greatest success that a person reaches a Jannah, a Jannah from which they will never die. So for those who are amiloon literally means to attain the likeness of this. Should act the people who act. Should the doers do? Should the workers work for a success the like of this? The, uh, if you want to work for something, you should work for something which is jannah, which is undying, which is eternal, uh, and which, from which you will never fade, and you will never miss out on those bounties. Adalek <laughs> so Allah says, is that better? Is that jannah not better for you? Or nuslan as a place to dwell and reside, am shajaratul zakum, or the tree of zakum? Right? And the tree of Zakum, I think we did this for you before, that is the infernal tree in Jahannam from which people would be made to eat from it. So here Allah Ta'ala has mentioned, Indeed we have made that tree as a trial as a trial, fitness, as a trial, and test for the dalamin. And again, you see here, the word is not just unbelievers, but for the unjust, the wrong, drivers, the sinners. What is it? innaha fi jahim? It is a tree that emerges from the asal, from the roots of that blazing inferno, and its fruit resembles the heads of shayateen. Some will... Uh, its fruit or the fruit stalks of it resemble the heads of shayateen. What does it mean, right? Uh, it means in their foulness. In their foulness, in their bitterness, in their corruptness. It can also mean literally in terms of the foul-looking, because the belief is a foul-looking person, it may mean it's a very ugly type of fruit. And what will happen, the people of Jahannam, they will eat for it Laakiluna Minha. And the inhabitants of Jahannam indeed they will be from the eaters of that tree. So they will eat from that tree. In fact, not only will they eat it, Minhal they will fill their bellies with it. They will fill their bellies with it. Then on top of that, thumma aleha. And then on top of that they will have Lashoba uh, min hamim, they will have a concoction of boiling water that they will drink. On top of that, la and then their return will only be back towards that blazing inferno. They will be sent right back after they eat back into the blazing inferno. Uh, And whom Allah abhought Indeed, their people, who they had found their forefathers and ancestors to be astray, and indeed for whom Allah but instead they, even though they knew they were astray, they hastened to follow in their footsteps. aktharul and indeed many of the forefathers, many of the agents before you and before them have before them have been astray. But we certainly sent arsalna but we certainly had sent warners amongst them. That now see what is so the ones who are warning, and now see what is the outcome of those who are warned. Means those who are warned and who fail to heed the warning see what their outcome is. Their outcome is all of this description of Jahannam. Illa except again that word Ibad except for those chosen special Servants of Allah and slaves of Allah subhanahu who He has blessed to follow Hidayah and He has blessed to be righteous. So this zukum tree we had mentioned to you is so bitter. So bitter that Nabi Al-Karim once said that if a drop of it was to be put into the earth, it would contaminate the entire soil on earth such that all fruit and produce and grains produced from the earth would become foul. One drop of the fruit of Zakum was to be put on the soil on this planet Earth. It's a test for people because, in fact, uh, this I did for you before, and that the Kufar had mocked that how can a true tree exist in the fire? Because a tree is wood and that should burn in the fire. So when the Prophet had told them about the existence of this tree, they even mocked it. I told you that Abu Jahal said No, no, zakum means dates and butter And then mockingly he invited all the kuffars And said, I will give you dawat of zakum today And he put out dates and butter So that's the level to which They used to mock Deen of Islam And you're silly You see the atheists today have the same mocking attitude with them Right? They say, chalo, ye chalo Aaj jhanam jan, ke paas bair jate And they sit in front of the hellfire And they laugh and haha And they joke with one another And they mock Allah's existence And they mock the punishment to come so this is the description of Jahanam. Now from 75 onwards, i going to mention some stories of previous Prophets. Some repetitions, some things that are new. Those that are repetition, we will just go through them. So repetition is first of Sayyidina Nulay <coughs> And when Sayyidina Nulay Sam called to us, He made dua to us. And indeed Sayyidina the Nuales- <coughs> Allah Nemal Mujibun and indeed Allah Ta'ala says that how wonderfully and excellently do we respond or we responders to those who call upon us in Dua and we saved him in Rizal from this great distress and we made his progeny and his descendants only survivors and among later generations we and among later generations we left for him. And in his favor we left for him those who were to come amongst later generations. But salamun uh, adanu him fil alameen, that they would say peace to Sayyidina amongst all peoples. Means that means later generations would remember Sayyidina s-salam favorably for being the second father of humanity and saving humanity from that flood. Indeed, thus Allah says, do we reward those who do good and who are people of virtue? Indeed, Sayyidina al was from our faithful servants, from our servants and slaves who were truly believers and faithful. And indeed, then we drowned all of the rest. So all of this is a story that we have done in detail. One thing that we hadn't mentioned was the flood of Sayyidina al So ulama have different opinions on this. Some say that the flood covered the whole earth, and some say, no, the flood only came on his community, on that territory of earth to which he was preaching, to whom was his community. Verses 83 onward about Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam, when min la Ibrahim. And indeed, Sayyidina Ibrahim was from amongst the followers of Sayyidina Nuh Islam. Means he is from one of the descendants and progeny of Sayyidina Islam ija'a rabbuhu bin salim and remember when he came to his Rub with a sound heart So and and what was that when he said to his father and his people what is it that you're worshipping so sound heart means this come before this is the heart with iman with ikhlas with zikr he was hanif he had this pure heart and sincere motive and he truly believed and recognized the tawheed the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then comes the conversation between Sayyidina Ibrahim and his father. That is something that we have done elsewhere earlier, recently earlier in Qur'an. Verse number 85 and onwards. called <inaudible> When Sayyidina Ibrahim said to his father, he and his community, What is it that you worship? <laughs> and is it concocted and false and fabricated deities other than Allah subhanahu Is it that that you wish and is that that you turidun that you intend and that you yearn for and that you have in mind then what is your idea what is it that you think What is your concept of Rabbil Alameen another another تَنَّ the And what did they do? Then? What did Ibrahim say? he took a look at the stars again. So I told you he was going with them on this procession and he looked up at the stars and he said indeed in سكيم سَكِيمَ I'm sick so that he could go back So they turned their backs on him and left. They went onward. Then he was able to go back to the community. And he went back to their deities and gods. And then he addressed them that do you not eat. Then he addressed them, what is the matter with you? You do not speak. And then he struck them a blow with his right hand. Means he struck them with force with his right hand. And then his people community rushed at him when they saw what what he did. And he said to them, do you worship what you yourself have carved and manufactured? whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you and what you manufacture. They said then they said they construct a building for him, right? And then we will cast him into a blazing, cast him into a burning, blazing fire. <coughs> and so they devised a plot against him, but Allah says we made them the lowliest ones, uh, we will sub, uh, subjugated them in terms of not letting their plot become successful. All of the story we have did Surah Ambiya's for 21 verses 51 to 70 recently, all right? <coughs> one thing here is that what does it mean that Siddharth he looked up at the stars? So when he looked up at the stars, he wasn't himself practicing astrology, but that was one of the things that uh, his people uh, believed in so he did that as a ploy to look up at the stars and then say he was ill and he thought that they would leave him alone because he would think that he had received some type of evil omen from the stars. But the knowledge of astrology is not allowed in our deen. And I remember when we used to come to America and summers come to Pakistan for America occasion. I was always amazed at how many people here are so into their horoscopes. It's people in Pakistan who told me I was a Sagittarius. I never knew this when I was in America. Yes. And you cannot find horoscopes in the New York Times, but mashallah, you can find horoscopes in all the English-language newspapers of this country, right? So astrology is not allowed in the Deen of Islam, all right? This we covered last year when I mentioned to you when we did the passage in the Quran about magic, all right? <دِين> so saying in the that I am going towards my Rabb سَيَهْدِينَ who and my Rabb will soon and shortly guide me right and then he makes dua to Rabbi habli minasalihin to respond to him bestow me Hab, gift me from amongst the salahin means gift me a son from amongst the salahin. Give me some progeny. Thabashir bi halim. And then Nuntal says, indeed we gave him glad tidings. They would have a gulam. He would have a son who is halim. And this is now the anticipating Sayyidina ismail And this passage is now new. This is where the sponsor is talking about Sayyidina ismail So first of his case, he's halim. He has zarf. He has bardast. He is. He is forbearing, he can tolerate, he can absorb, he has istigamat, he has sabr, all of that is meant by Halim. Balaga <coughs> When Saidna Ibrahim Sayyidina Ismail the son who was given to him this good, this Halim Gulam when he came of age, uh, such that they were that he was working together with his father Bunaya. so he told his son that, O oh my dear beloved son, Inni ara fil that I've seen in a dream, Anni that I am sacrificing you, I'm slaughtering you by the neck, I'm give the way that we sacrifice animals from So consider your opinion. Let's see what you think. Also Sayyidina Ismail Islam, what did he say? Ya abitif Al that oh my beloved father, do ma tumar that you should do as you have been commanded. Allah this was Haleem He didn't say, Oh there must be some other meaning of this dream or oh you know you shouldn't ask Allah ta'ala to reconsider. He said, No, fine. If Al Ma Tumar so he, re- he, knew, he knew his father was a Nabi. He knew dreams were one of the ways Allah sent revelation to a Nabi. So he knew that if my father has seen a dream, he means it's what Allah spawned Allah sent. So he said, insha'Allahu, uh-huh, sorry, as sabirin. you will find me, if Allah spawned Allah wills, to be amongst the Sabirin amongst those who are patient, who can endure. Alright? So this is a very famous story that all of you know. Uh, about Allah wa ta'ala saying this dream of Sayyidina Ibrahim A.S. So then, فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَا وَتَلَّهُ لِلْجِبِينِ So when the two of them, أَسْلَمَا is tathniyah, the dual form, when the two of them thus submitted to the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Sayyidina Ibrahim A.S. turned him on his side. So what does this mean? So once, uh, this is that Sayyidina Ibrahim A.S. took his son, Allah SWT, to take him to Minna. The dream happened in Makumakarama, the conversation happened in Makkah Karama, then when Sayyidina Ismaili's son Ismail Ismail told him to carry out what you've been commanded, then Allah Ta'ala revealed to him that you should take your son to proceed to a place onward called Minna, which is about two, or three miles from Makkah Karama. When they reach Minna, then Shaitan says so giving you so you understand what takes place at Hajj, Shaitan attempted to mislead Sayyidina Ismail Islam. And when Sayyidunabu some noticed this, that Shaitan is trying to make Sayyidunabu Sumb scared, he said, "Allahu Akbar," and he threw seven stones at Shaitan. So this is what is being commemorated there, right? Again, the atheists will mock you, and so you really think those pillars are Shaitan? We're commemorating an act. And this is Allah Taala's mercy that even though we are not able to see Shaitan, Allah Taala wants that the same way Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi Salam pelted Shaitan with stones to show his repudiation of him Allah Ta'ala wants us to show the same thing so when Sayyidin Ibrahim because he's a Nabi so there's a certain extra barakah power in his pelting so Shaitan then sank to the ground was sucked into the ground was knocked to the ground you can say and the father and the son proceeded further then again, what happened is Shaitan popped up. It's almost like a little video game, huh? Shaitan popped up a few little down. These are why the three Jamarat. And then so Sayyidina again pelted him, and then again every time he pelted him went into the ground. Then a third time again he emerged from the ground, and then again Sayyidina Rahim threw him, uh, pelted him with stones thrice. So this is the history behind the Sunnah, uh, Amal that we do in Hajj, in terms of pelting what you call Rami <coughs> Rami is the act of pelting the stones Jamarat or those pillars that are there to represent those three places where Shaitan tried to lead them astray so then when this happened, then Allah uh, Ibrahim, Salam, he put uh, his son on his side meaning that he was about to then Ziba him, and then what happened nahu Ya Ibrahim then we called to him, O oh, Ibrahim al-Islam, 'Kad saddaqtar Ru'ya that indeed you have been true to your dream. It can also mean that you have brought your dream into realization. It means you have brought the dream into existence. You have, uh, you know, authenticated the dream and the vision that you you were shown. Inna كَذَلَكَ nadzil الْمُحْسِنِينَ and Allah says that indeed we reward with ajr the masyinin those who do good and those who do virtue. Mubin and indeed this was just definitely a decisive or a clear and manifest test. This is an evident trial and what the Allah said, Fa Fade Nahu and then we compensated him or we redeemed him through a tremendous sacrifice and in his favour we left for him in future generations what? The same thing. Salamun Allah Ibrahim, that peace be on Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Alright. So what does it mean that Allah Ta'ala called out and interrupted him and stopped him from doing it? right, in terms that you have realized the dream means you have shown your willingness to sacrifice, and Sayyidina Ismail has shown his willingness to be sacrificed, so this was a test, and the test has been passed, right, uh, and mm, so Sayyidina Ismaili did not then obviously slaughter his son. Then uh, Angel Jebeli Islam brought a ram, you can say an animal, which Sayyidina Ibrahim A.S. slaughtered instead, right? What is important to realize that it's not that S.S. was about to put the knife and all of a sudden Ismail turned into an animal, but the, uh, it was swapped, right? No, Allah Ta'ala called out, given, wahi, called out to O Ibrahim Islam, but it is enough, right? And you have fulfilled the purpose of the dream and the vision. And then Allah Ta'ala also says that he will remember him, uh, have him remembered sincerely in all times to come, and may Salam be on Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salaam. Here, interestingly, Mr. Ramdi has taken the position that Ibrahim alayhi salam misunderstood the dream. And he actually was not supposed to slaughter his son. And this is one of the one of the many, many errors uh, that he has made in terms of his positions of Islamic knowledge. Why did he take that actually because his teacher's teacher, Hamiduddin al Farahi, which most of the ulama have felt was a rightly guided Alam, although he made a few mistakes, he came up with a concept of al Quran, which is something that actually Alama al Baqa'i uh, has come up with much earlier and that is looking at the thematic coherence and interrelationship between Quran that certain surahs have certain underlying themes in them the difference was that Hamid al student Amin Asan Islahi, he took this theme part so far as he said that every surah has to be interpreted in light of its own theme plus the themes of the group of surahs that it, it, it contains, even if that interpretation goes against Sahih Hadith, no problem. So the problem is now, Sahih Hadith is something authentically transmitted from the Prophet wasallam. What the theme of any given surah is, was something that was a product of Imin as own akal. There is no mention anywhere in Qur'an or Sunnah that this surah has this theme, these surahs are these groups, the group of surahs has this theme. This was something that was a product of their own hypothesis. So to replace authentic Hadith with hypothesis is not something that any scholar is allowed to do. It's nothing personal with Ramdi. Nobody should allow me to do it. Nobody should allow anyone to do that. You can never replace transmitted knowledge with mere hypothesis and conjecture. Here what is his hypothesis? That he says that this surah, Surat al safat the theme underlying the surah is that you should sacrifice the dunya for the akhirah or sacrifice the dunya for the deen. So he says that when Allah Subhanahu sent this dream to Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi Salam, Allah Subhanahu wasn't telling him to go and sacrifice Sayyidina Ismail. He was simply sending a metaphor that you have to sacrifice your son for the Deen instead of dunya because I'm going to make him a Nabi also. Now this has a lot of flaws in it. Number one, if you ask me, forget the many hadith about this incident. It goes against Quran. In fact, this very word, because Allah Subhanahu, what is Al-Sultan saying in Quran? Kad that indeed you have been true to the dream, the dream has been realized, right? And you will see in Quran when the Anbiya, if they ever make a mistake or error, Allah ta'ala reprimands them, like you're going to see about Yunus, alayhi salam, on the belly. You've seen with the Prophet, Abbas, Tawallah, So that's the way of Allah ta'ala. He's not going to let them go on an error. But here he's saying you have indeed been true to the dream and the dream has been truly realized. And this is actually what Allah ta'ala wanted and this was the test. And the whole ummah, every single member and scholar of the ummah except this fellow has commemorated this by slaughtering the animal, right? Because we know that Satan was generally told by Allah to slaughter his son. This was a test, right? And that's why the son was also mentioned as Haleen. Another flaw is that no prophet needs to be told that about their son, that you have to sacrifice them for dunya. Don't put them for... Don't make them a doctor. We're going to make them a Nabi instead. Right? That's not what, you know, Sayyidina Ibrahim is a Nabi, obviously he's going to do their behavior with children. But the greatest problem is that if you take a position where you suggest that a Nabi can misunderstand Wahi, right? One is a Nabi making a mistake of judgment. So that's you know. Sam did when he left his people, right? Nowhere in Islam and Quran is it ever acceptable for us to think that a Nabi received Wahi and they misunderstood the Wahi. Because if you open up that door, you say no prophets can even misunderstand the revelations that are revealed to them, then an atheist will have a field day with you. There's no basis for deen left. An atheist will say you the prophets could have misunderstood the revelation. How do you know they didn't your prophet didn't misunderstand the revelation sent to him because your scholar says that ain't Nabi Ibrahim misunderstood the revelation that Allah sent to him? You'll have no reply for that. So there's no way a Nabi can misunderstand why Right? So Sayyidina Ibrahim Alhamdulillah, as every single other Muslim in the entire history of Islam billions of Muslims have known that Sayyidina son did understand the dream correctly he was being told by Allah to take a knife to the neck of his son this was a test for him and a test for his son and Allah Ta'ala once seeing his intention that he was really going to do it and he is truly submitting himself to Allah Ta'ala he passed the test and then Allah Ta'ala then called out to him and told him that it is enough and you should, this is it Alright, so we should be very clear, we don't want to understand the Quran ever on the basis of mere hypothesis and conjecture. All of the themes that all of the Mufassirun have suggested for Asura All or a group of surahs are all from their own hypothesis. Yes, we may respect somebody's scholarship more, somebody's less. We may give somebody's hypothesis more credence, somebody's less. But no one's hypothesis and conjecture can be preferred over the text of Quran itself and over the prophetic explanation of those passages itself. right? Okay. Here all of you know that on Hajj we emulate this act and we also in when we give the animal sacrifice Kurmani Udhiya, we also emulate the animal sacrifice that Allah, Allah preferred for Sayyidina Ibrahim a.s. as opposed to the sacrifice of his son. Right? Okay. You may also know that this is the disagreement between the Jews and the Muslims. The Muslimin said that this son was Sayyidina Ismail Islam, but the Jews believed that it was Sayyidina Ishaq. Alright. Verse one fourteen onwards, this is Again, same pattern earlier Prophet. Mannanna Alamusa Bahun indeed Allah says indeed and Allah we sent our special favour on Sayyidina Musa and Sayyidina Hawlaam and then we rescued the two of them and their people from distress, from a tremendous distress, a tremendous trouble and then we helped them, Allah Ta'ala says we sent our help and assistance on them so that they would become victorious, and we gave upon them the clear kitam, the clear scripture and the book that elucidates all matters, and we guided them to the, salatim, to the straight path. And then we left behind in their favor this legacy that future generations would always remember them. That may peace be on Sayyidina Musa and Sayyidina Harun. This is why in our deen, after every Nabi's name we say alayhi salam we make that dua of salam for them. In and thus to we reward those who do good who are people of virtue. In indeed those two yani Musa, salam, Ruh, salam, were from the worshipful servants and faithful believers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse one hundred twenty three now we have a new Prophet, as mentioned briefly before, but this is Sayyidina Ilyas Sayyidina. In the asl sam verse one twenty-three onward, when but in the Eliasa, we have mentioned that indeed the elias e is from amongst the messengers and prophets. What did he do with Kalalikom? Allah ta Same thing that we told his people that will you not have taqwa Will you not fear? La-samant Allah. Instead, ataduna baan. So do you instead worship Baal? He was the, that was the name of the, they had given to the false God that they believed in. Do you worship Baal while leaving out, while neglecting being, uh, neglecting Asan al the best of all creators, who is that? Allahu Rabbukum wa Rabba Aba'akum al-Awaleen, that is Allah Subh'anaHu, who is your Rub and who is Rub of your earliest predecessors and forefathers. But, Fakadabuhu, they rejected him and declared him to be a liar, and then, Allah Ta'ala says that they will certainly be gathered, summoned, brought forward in front of Allah SWT for the punishment. But the same ayah that come, إِلَّا Except those worshipful servants of Allah sponsor who He has chosen for hidayah. Then the same thing, وَتَرَقْنَا عَلَيْهِ فِي الْآخِرِينَ And we have left in His favor for all of those who will come after. Salamun Allah Ilyasin, And then may peace be upon me, Ilyas. And all of, uh, and Inna Kadhalik najjal al and thus to reward those who do good. Innahu min ibadin al-muminin. Indeed, Sayyidina Ilyas Al-Islam, was from amongst of our, from amongst our believing slaves. All right. Sayyidina Ilyas Al-Islam, Some ulama said that he was from the progeny of Sayyidina Harun alayhis and there was one major idol, false god, that was worshipped by the people he was sent to, who they called Baal. And you may know in Arabic there's a place called Baal bakka which is used as an example many times in Arabic grammar for you. So Baal was this huge, massive idol. And here Sayyidina Ilyas was telling his people that they should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instead of that idol. Some of the Israelite reports say that Iblis used to come behind that idol and would speak to them thinking that it, they're an idol. Now the question here is the Ilyasin it's a very intricate thing in Arabic That these extra letters have been added to his name If you see in verse 30 Instead of Ilyas it says Ilyasin Very long story In Arabic etymology and morphology Simply saying that sometimes you can add uh, Additional letters Especially ya'nun to a word But the meaning of the word stay, stay, stays the same Like you may have seen in Mount Sinai Sinai Allah also calls it sinin in Quran right? It means the same thing so here it just means Sayyidina the al-Islam. Verse 133 to 138 was the story of Sayyidina Lut al-Islam, which we have done earlier, and here it is mentioned very briefly in Quran. So same thing, indeed, Lut indeed, al-Islam was from amongst the messengers and the prophets. We saved him and his people, all of them except an old woman, amongst those who were left behind, and then we destroyed the rest. You pass by where they were daily in the daytime and at the night time. Do you not understand? So this is something that you've done before that Sayyidina Lut'a's community was punished, and Allah is addressing the Quraysh of Makkah that you pass by the ruins on the way to Sham for trade. Do you not reflect on their ruins and reflect on the punishment of Allah when you pass by their ruins? We take a short break and then we resume from verse 139 onwards. Verse 139 onwards, we will have discussion of the story of Sayyidina Yunus indeed that was from amongst the messengers and prophets we have done his uh, story a little bit earlier but uh, most, uh, one of the more detailed places that takes place is here in surah South so we're going to do it a little bit more in detail over here when he Exited when he fled in his community, he left them to board the loaded crowded ship. So they drew lots, they cast lots where they drew lots and he was the one who was selected, so he was the one who was condemned and then a whale swallowed him and he was Mullim. Malim means he was member Malaima from he was blameworthy. Falullah annuhu كَانَ mun Musabbiheen that if he had not been from if it were not for the fact that he was one who had done the tasbih glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That then Allah ta'ala says that Sayyidina Yusuf would have remained in the belly of that whale until the day the people had resurrected. But instead what happened, that we cast him out, means literally the whale the whale Cast him out because Allah Ta'ala told the whale to do that. Uh, so Allah Ta'ala is using the word we, but we cast him out or threw him out on a barren shore or a wasteland. But who was Sakim and he was ill, he was sick. Then we caused a gourd vine or a creeper type vine to grow over him. ida O Yazidun And we sent him as a Nabi to a hundred thousand or more. And they believed, and then we allowed them to enjoy themselves for a while until an appointed term for some time on earth. All of you know the Sina Yunus, he was preaching to his people for a very long period of time. And in that long period of time he s- received no response to them. And eventually he told them that, okay, I'll give you three more days and then I will, you may face the punishment of Allah SWT, or I may pray to Allah SWT to punish you. After the three days, on the third day, he saw there was no difference. So he was afraid now. He thought this was, wouldn't say bluff, but he thought that if he scared them in this way, that by the third day they would come around. On the third day he didn't come around and then he made uh, he left them, fearing that he may be wrong. Now, what happened was that after he left them, uh, and this whole—I de- mean, there are really more details on this in Surah Yunus, obviously a whole surah named after the Yunus Yunus, which we did last year, uh, Surah number ten of Quran. But uh, after he left them, then on that third day. Especially towards, let's say, the waning part of the third day, when the people saw the signs of a punishment approaching, they started repenting to Allah ta'ala. They started becoming mu'minin. And because of that, Allah ta'ala forgave his Qaum and actually averted the punishment from them. But meanwhile, Sayyidina Salam had already left. So this is what it, this part of Surah Safat was referring to, that part of the story. So when he left for the coast and he boarded a ship, now, when the ship was in the water and there was a lot of bad weather, so the sailors also were superstitious people. So they said this must be due to somebody who is on the boat, and their view was that it must be a slave who has fled his master, which I say it means that the master here was Allah. So they drew lots, and sure enough, it was Sayyidina Yunus who drew the lot, and so they accused him of being the runaway slave, and they said that you should, uh, we will throw you overboard. So when he was thrown overboard, then uh, a large whale swallowed him, and so he entered the belly of that whale unharmed. So this may have been a big blue whale, as they say. But when he was in the belly of the whale, as again... You know, Allah Ta'ala mentioned this in Surah Anbiya, Surah 21 verse 87. What did he say? La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu مِنَ zadimeen. So he did the tasbih of Allah Ta'ala. because of his zikr, his tasbih, his istighfar, his dua. Then Allah Ta'ala says that we responded to his call, right? And we rescued him from distress. And what? That then we, Allah Ta'ala commanded the whale to spit out Sina Yunus Sallallahu on the shore. When he was on the shore, he was extremely ill. Whether he was ill because of exhaustion or lack of food or lack of drink or many things. So Allah, Allah caused this creeping vine to grow over him as a shelter for him and to shade him. Uh, this is what is being referred to over here. Then Allah ta'ala sent Sayyidina Yunusam know, to another community, which some have said this is the people of Nineveh close to Mosul. Some of you may know there was a great Hanafi Alam by the name of Al Mosili who was from that same area as well. So here Allah said that it was a nation of either 100,000 people or more and they believed. They believed so he was given actually then a community of people who believed in him. So this is the story of Sayyidina Yunus al-Islam. in Surah Yunus. We did it in greater detail and there I would covered the issue that Sayyidina Yunus did not commit any sin. As uh, Malana Maldudi was of the opinion that Sayyidina Sallam committed a sin, and hence he took the position that Anbiya can sin. However, he was alone in this, and he departed from the vast call the consensus on this issue that the Anbiya cannot sin. And we will not say that Sayyidina Sallam committed a sin. He made an error in judgment when he decided to uh, leave his people on that third day. right? Next now, verse 149, Allah says that, for stuff to him, they rabbika. Okay, that ask them, O Nabiyuk, ask these people, what is their opinion that should your rub they al-banatu wa al That do they like that their rub should have daughters and they themselves have sons? This is the Mushrikin of Makkumakarma. They believed in this and Manat and ozat. Uh, they said they were the daughters of Allah. But Allah Ta'ala saying they themselves didn't like to have daughters. And when their female babies were born, they would kill them, female infanticide. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that what type of people are they? That they think that it's degrading to them to have daughters and they should only have sons. But when it comes to their rub, they ascribe daughters to their rubs. Others thought that the angels were female. So Allah Ta'ala says that Am wa hum shahidun, That have we created the angels as female, with them as witness Allah innuhum min ifkihim layukulon that indeed no this is just their concocted beliefs, their own falsehood that they have said. <inaudible> that is it possible that Allah is Allah has children. I mean it's being said incredulously in the tone is Wallah, <inaudible> Allah has children. No. <inaudible> no, undoubtedly indeed they are certainly liars. Istaf al Banati <inaudible> Allah has chosen daughters for himself instead of sons. Ma <inaudible> what is it that ails you? What's the matter with you? On what basis are you making these decisions? do not take heed, will you not reflect? Sultanum or is it that you have some authoritative evidence, some proof for what you say? Fatu bikum in kuntum So bring literally means bring your your scripture or your book, if indeed you are speaking truly. Then another thing they said about Allah, that they had fabricated, they imputed a kinship between Allah Taala and the jinnat, maka malakan jinnatu innahum And indeed, the jinn already know that there is no kinship, and they know they will all also be summoned and brought forth and presented in front of Allah Subhanahu Taala. Subhanallahi amma Allah Taala is pure and free and absolved of every single thing that they ascribe and attribute to Him. Illa And then again, this comes this refrain. So that Allah is not here, that Allah Ta'ala is free from everything they describe except for what the Allah described to him. It's just another refrain that has been coming that all such people will be gathered in front of Allah Ta'ala and brought forward for punishment Illa إِبَادُ al الْمُخْلِسِينَ except those servants and slaves of Allah to whom he has selected and chosen. So those of you who remember your Arabic, this is an Ibadah here, right? Uh, Mah'azuf means that there is here, uh, those of you who understand, understand by that one word. Right? Okay. So these were some of the Allah Ta'ala repudiating many of the different varieties and types of shirk that different people had ascribed to Allah Subh'anaHu Ta'ala. All of this was to show Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Tawheed. One thing I was going to comment here is about angels. So some people ask the question, Do angels have gender? So first of all, I would say human beings have gender. Jinnats have gender. So they're male jinn, they're female jinn. Are angels, do angels even have gender? So there are two opinions on this. One is that the angels don't have gender. There's no, they're not male or female. They're genderless beings of nur. And another view is that no, they are male uh, and they are no female. Uh, all the angels are male and they're not female. Right? So Allah Ta'ala knows best. Uh, Allah Ta'ala knows best. Verse 161 So now here Allah is mentioning that indeed you and whatsoever it is that you worship meaning Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and this will be nothing uh, not, none of them, neither you nor anything you worship can avert anyone to take away anyone from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Illamanhua Sad and Jahim, except for that person who is destined to enter the blazing inferno, anyone who is going to uh you know but it means that you in what you worship you cannot seduce anyone or avert anyone or detract anyone away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's only that person who is destined to enter or who has chosen to enter the inferning uh the blazing inferno. Jaheem <laughs> is a word that is used for the fire of Jahannam to denote its intensity and its blaze. وَمَا مِنَّا إِلَّا لَهُ مَقَامٌ مَعْلُومٌ And here, uh, what it is that the angels say that there is no one of us, the position of each, the maqam of each and every one of us is known. وَإِنَّا لَنَحْنُ الصَّافُونَ So again, you're coming back to that, that each and every of us, we are indeed standing in rows, and they're standing in rows, worshipping Allah SWT. وَإِنَّا لَنَحْنُ الْمُصَبِّحُونَ And indeed, we are doing the tasbih and glorifying the magnitude of Allah Ta'ala. So here Allah Ta'ala is mentioning some qualities of the jinn. So just like earlier Allah Ta'ala mentioned that the jinn are, the, uh qualities of the angels. Earlier Allah Ta'ala mentioned that the jinn are helpless in front of Him, and the jinn said, "No, no, we will also be brought forth in front of Allah Subhanahu." Here Allah Ta'ala is quoting the angels are saying that the position of each one of us angels is also known to Allah Subhanahu. We but stand in rows, worshiping Allah Subhanahu. We are glorifying during the tasbeeh of Allah Subhanahu. So we are not objects of worship like. Some of the mushrikin have taken us, nor are we daughters of Allah, SWT, like some of the mushrikin have taken us. We ourselves are worshipful servants of Allah. SWT. 167. In fact, these are the people who said that if only we had had this advice, this admonishment, this dhikra, this reminder from the people who had gone in the past, the earliest people. Then, the إِبَادَ اللَّهِ الْمُخْلَسِينَ Then, surely we would have become the sincere, worshipful servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, فَكَفَرُوا بِهِ But instead, they disbelieved in it. And number one, it means they disbelieve in Qur'an, they rejected. فَصَوْفَ moon. And soon they will find out, soon they will come to know that it was the truth. What does it mean? They're saying that we would believe in the Qur'an if we had anything from our forefathers telling us these beliefs. Then we would believe in it. If only we had received any belief like that, then we would surely believe in it. This is also Nashar ishaar, Allah say, that one reason why shaitan led earlier communities to do tahrif al-kitab, to change their scripture. Because the scriptures contained in mention of the last prophet, the last deen, right? And so there are certain communities who would not know and who would say that if only we had an advice from it. So the Al Kitab had it, but the mushrikeen didn't have it. The mushrikeen of Makkah, if they look in whatever their forefathers' text or their forefathers' poetry, they would just find mention of this idol, that idol, that idol. So we'd say, look, we have nothing. You, you should be preaching to the Jews and Christians. Maybe they will accept you as a prophet, because maybe their books have some mention of you, but we, we have nothing, right? So this is what is being mentioned here. So that's, sometimes it happened. Uh, and that's also many times when Allah Ta'ala would send another prophet when any community had corrupted their religious text so significantly that now there was no scope of hidayah in it for them that Allah Ta'ala would send them a prophet. But the Mashriki Makkah didn't even realize that because they didn't accept that their religion and their religious text had been corrupted. So now then Allah SWT said al That indeed our decree has already been issued concerning our servants, uh, Ibad al-Mursaleen, our servants who we have sent as Anbiya. What does that mean? So that Allah Ta'ala has said in many places, that Allah Ta'ala has decreed victory for them. So the next verse says, المنصرون, That indeed they will be helped. Means Allah Ta'ala has ordained in Quran, for example, Surah 58 verse 21, Allah Ta'ala says indeed the messengers will be victorious. In Surah 40 verse 51, coming soon, Allah Ta'ala has mentioned the same thing. So it means that Allah Ta'ala has decreed that the unbear will be victorious, they will be assisted. And Allah Ta'ala says indeed our armies, our party, our forces will be triumphant. So then Allah Ta'ala tells the Prophet Wasallam. That you should simply avoid and ignore them for a while, observe and you should keep watching and observing them for so far and soon they themselves will see. And do they seek to? Is it our punishment that they seek to hasten? And when it descends. That punishment descends on them in their midst into their arena, then miserable will the morning dawn on them. It will be an evil dawning of the morning for them, for who? Al Mundarin, for those who had been warned. That means they were warned, but they failed to heed that warning. And then again Allah Ta'ala says, Wattawallah Anhum that just leave and ignore them, avoid them for a while. Wa and you keep watching them, observe them, for they will themselves see. Right? All of the Anbiya, and here this, these next Isaac recites are referring to the battles of the Anbiya. So the, um, whenever the Anbiya fought battles against the Kunfar, ultimately at the end, the Anbiya were always victorious, uh, even if they may have suffered a temporary defeat. It's only certain rare cases like the Anbiya who were killed by the Bani Israel, that Allah SWT allowed communities to outright kill the Anbiya, and because it was such an extreme thing, that's why Allah Ta'ala mentioned that so many times in Surah Baqarah when he was chastising the Bani Israel. But otherwise, it is Allah's sunnah to send his help in victory on the Anbiya. And this is something that we see in the own Sirat the Prophet of and sahaba whether in Badr and even Uhud was just a slight, momentary defeat, but then again it became a victory. We saw battle of Ahzab, which the Muslim would won, and obviously then Fatih, Makkah, etc., etc. The next verse is then, uh, is Allah SWT concludes this Surah safat and, and this is a consolation to the Prophet also, that ignore them and avoid them and wait and watch for surely they themselves will see so Allah SWT was telling the Prophet you should just wait and victory will be yours and anyone who is familiar with Seerah can see that's exactly the summary of what happened and what Nabi Akareem did. Verse one eighty 180 to one eighty two. Subhan Rabbi Kar Amma Yusifun that your Rab is Subhan, he glory be to your Rub, the Rabb of Izza, the Rub of all honor, the Rab of all power. He is exalted and pure, far above and beyond Amma Yusifun what they attribute and ascribe to him. وَسَلَامُ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ And Salaam and may peace be unto all of the messengers and prophets. Alhamdulillah And all praise and praise itself belongs to Allah alone. That Allah who is Rabb of the Alameen. Who is Rabb of all of the universes. So these verses then conclude the entire surah. That Allah says the sole owner and sole distributor of izzah and honor. And that he is free from all of the partners and Concepts that they have ascribed to him. And that Allah Ta'ala has sent his peace on all of the Anbiya. Whereas here up to be had done. That for individual Anbiya. Salamun ala Musa. Salamun ala. Right. And here Allah Ta'ala has ended with. As-salamun all of the Anbiya wa mursulun. And that all Hamd belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah Sa'd is surah number 38. A'udhu bin la'mina shaitan ar-jeem. Bismillah ar-manahim. Sa'd. zil-dhikr again this is a of muqratat and Allah Ta'ala knows best what it means well Quran is the zikr that the Quran al-Karim is a book of remembrance a full of reminder, full of advice and counsel but بَالَّذِينَ is فِي in and indeed those who uh, disbelieve they are arrogant uh, Is it here doesn't mean the good sense of honor your is it here means they proudful arrogance. It's their pride and their shikak. And really is it here, you can think of this as their tribal pride. It's like their tribalistic pride due to which they are disbelieving. And shikak, they are divisive and they are in conflict with the truth. Then al tell, is going to mention again, these next few eyes are all, almost all, almost all repetitive. Perhaps something that's come earlier in Quran. So, so how many of the nations and generations did we destroy before them? Indeed, those people cried out, but there was no time for them to escape and flee. Verse number four. So, are they surprised that a warner has come from amongst them? They thought it strange that a warmer came to them from their own very midst. And so, those who disbelieve, they used to say that this is a lying conjurer, this is a magician, sahirun, magician, Kazab, a liar that has he made all of the deities into one God so this is the Mushrikeen thought about the Anbiya that we believe in many gods and he's combined them all into one God himself he is telling a lie that indeed this is Ujab like you would say ajib from Ujab this is an astonishing thing so for them they found the concept he incredulous they were amazed that instead of multiple gods there actually is going to be just one god one so then their chiefs of those tribes and their elders they amongst them uh, what did they say uh, that you should simply remain steadfast and remain devoted to your multiple gods. Remain faithful to in the and all of this means referring to the Nabuat of the Protestantism, the Quran and Sunnah, teaching the Protestantism. All of that is what their statement was. la Yurad, that this is simply something that la shay'un Yurad is from rather something that will mature. This is something which has uh, something purposeful or something that what uh, could say something devised and something can talk to it but it also means something that is purposeful let's see what does he say over here for this so leave the process some stay from under again this call of the Prophet is surely something designed okay designed for his personal benefit so something d- designed something that he has intended for his own ultimate self purpose that is what they would say to them and we have not heard about this in any other milla. Milla can mean any other creed, any other civilization, any other people. So, what does it mean that they would tell, the elders would tell the junior ma'shukinu that we haven't heard any such thing from any other community. In hada illa khtilaf, um, and this is nothing other than, you can say iftilaf is fabrication, iftilaf can also mean something that is uh, disputed. is put here that is nothing but a false invention. Alright, verse number 8. Is it believable that the message of advice has been sent down to him alone from among all of us? The fact is that they are in doubt about my message. Rather, they have not yet tasted my punishment. Or is it that they have the treasures of the mercy of your Rabb Al-Aziz? Is it that they, or does the kingdom of the heavens, and do they have possess the kingdom of the heavens and the earth and all between them? If that is the case, then what they should do, they should literally mean they should climb up to the skies and the heavens if they claim that that is the kingdom that they have. Here, Allah Ta'ala mentions that even before, I'm oh sorry, Mahazuma min al This is referring to previous nations, right? That indeed, here in Makamukarima, there is an army of people uh, who are from the defeated hordes. means I mean, they are like from the previous azab, the previous communities who have been finished, who have been vanquished from before. And who are those people for? They are indeed people before them, the people of New Orleans, some falsified and denied their prophets. And indeed people of Ad and people of Fir'aun. And dul أَوْتَاد literally means the people of the pegs. So let me explain to you who that is, the people of the stakes. First of all, all of this are warnings for those who reject Tawhid and reject Risala. One thing that happened was that Sayyidina, when Sayyidina Rasulullah's uncle, Sayyidina Abu Talib, uh, he fell ill, so the Quraysh went to go see him. And when he was there, and the Prophet also was there to go attend to him. So the Quraysh then complained to him about his nephew who he had guaranteed with his protection. Right? This was a special protection Abu Talib had given his nephew in front of the Quraysh. And if anybody harms him, they would have to face his uh, recompense. So then Abu Talib told them that, oh my nephew, what is it that you want of these people? So the Prophet said that I only want one thing from them, uh, and, uh, that is that they should accept iman, they should come to tawhid. So this one, the people of Quraysh told Abu Talib that, look, he's asking us to do something that no one has ever told us before, nor has come anywhere in any of our texts, in any of our histories. So Abu Talib told them that if yes, you want them to recite just this one word from them, and uh the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes, I just want them to recite this one kalima, not word, one kalimah from them. La illallah this one sentence. So this some say that this Surah Sad was revealed in response to this, to respond to their tribalism and their arrogance due to which they were not uh accepting uh this me- message of Tawheed, even though Abu Talib was uh the uncle of the Prophet, ﷺ. as you know we did it before. Uh he remained uh, close to the Quraysh Let's put it that way Concept of Tawheed means Right and so to be fair a little bit This is what people would think To be fair the concept of Tawheed Would be difficult for Mufraqeen to accept And as we mentioned to you earlier Tawheed is in the fitrah of every insan Allah Ta'ala has put it inside Inherent human nature To recognize and acknowledge the existence of one Allah Subh'ala. Second is that the Prophet was there And the Qur'an uses many arguments against the existence of multiple gods, that there would be chaos that would reign, there wouldn't be order. So after seeing the Prophet ﷺ and hearing Qur'an, then there's no difficulty in making the journey from shirk to tawhid. And that is still there today, that anybody who receives the message of Deen of Islam, once they have received that message and have that knowledge, then if they don't make that journey from shirk to tawhid, it is something that is merely a stubbornness on their part, right? Okay. And then, when the Christians said that we have never heard about this, uh, sorry, when the Mushrikeen said that we have never heard about this concept, so some ulama have taken that this is a proof that the Christianity at that time, the Christians were Al Kitab, were believers in Trinity, were believers that Islam is the son of Allah, and is part of Allah, that even Mushrikeen did not view Al Kitab to be Al Tohid, that itself is a proof that Al Kitab had gone far from the teaching of Tohid. Right Then yeah. when Allah Ta'ala then asked them this question that do they have the mercy of Allah, Allah Do they have the kingdoms of the earth And the heavens All of this is just for them to realize that Allah Ta'ala Has the authority over them As his creator and master And they are not on any They have no real basis and principle with On which to reject Allah Ta'ala's command To believe in him and to him alone Then Allah Ta'ala mentions that Here in Makkah Karama There is an army of people who are from the defeated hordes. So, what is that? These are the people of Mukhammad Maka Karma who are going against the Prophet. Okay. Some the said the reason uh, is because this verse was revealed after the defeat of Badr. Uh, and others say, no, this refers, the azab refers to what we did in Surah Al-Azab, the coalition forces and the masses of the forces that had joined against to attack Medina Mnaura on the occasion of that battle, battle of Khandaq, the battle of the trench. Then Allah Ta'ala here mentioned nations of the past who had been destroyed, and the last one as mentioned is the man of this du'a the man of the stakes or the man of the pegs. The commentators say this means Fir'aun and Pharaoh was called that number one because he used pegs to torture people. He used to tie them to pillars and hammer a peg into each hand and foot. And you remember this was the punishment that he had said that he would inflict on the magicians, that he would amputate them from opposite ends, arm and leg, and then he would crucify them. And so this is, this is part of his brutality. So Allah is remembering him like that, that this is uh, so he's, and in Quran is likening the evil of the Mashukin of Makkah Mukarma to the evil of Fir'aun. And indeed, there were some Mashukin of Makkah Mukarma who would physically torture, uh, especially if they had a slave who had accepted Islam. All of you remember the story of Sayyidina Bilal. So verse 15, and these people are waiting for. Nothing but other than that single blast, and that single blast, which is that blast of the trumpet on the day of judgment, will be such that they will have not even allow a single breath to be taken. They will give them no pause, no reprieve. And then what they say Call them, that they will say, Oh our Rub, that you should hurry to us, give us our share of that punishment." الحساب, before that day of accounting, that day of reckoning. What does it mean that when the Mushrikin used to hear, uh, the warnings of the punishment, this is what they used to say to the Prophet صلى الله عليه So Allah Ta'ala saying is saying that they are so foolish, they're actually invoking curses on themselves by asking Allah Ta'ala to hasten the punishment, and on that day of judgment, the punishment will certainly be meted out. Okay. Allah Ta'ala says that be patient to Prophet sallam, on everything that they say. Patiently endure all of the talk that they talk. Both أَبْدَنَا And you should remember our abd, our servant and slave, Sayyidina Dawud ذَلْ أَيْدِي Literally means the one of hand, it means the one of power, the one of strength. And indeed, إِنَّهُ أَوَّابُ He was certainly off turning to Allah Ta'ala. So awab means a person who turns to Allah Taala over and over again. Salat al was named that way because it is the prayer that people who turn to Allah Subhanahu repeatedly over and over again. So here Allah Subhanahu is mentioning once again Sayyidina His might, but despite His might and His power and His strength, He was always turning to Allah Subhanahu. Then Allah is going to describe, as come before, the tasbih of in Inna maahu. That Allah says indeed we subjugated the mountains along with him. and they would do the tasbih and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by evening and will by daybreak. Ishraq refers to the time between after sunrise and in the early or early daylight hours after the sun rises. And again, along with the mountains and Allah subjugated the birds as well that they would all gather together so flocks of bird and the mountains and Sayyidina Dhu'l-Islam all of them were off turning were penitently turning to Allah subhanahu wa Shaddadna, and we strengthened the kingdom and dominion of Sayyidina al islam and we granted him wisdom means decisive, clear speech and this also has been sometimes used by some authors in Islam tradition to title their book Raslil Kitab, The Decisive, Clear Speech. And this was something that Allah Ta'ala also gifted Yani Sayyidina Dawud islam He was very eloquent and concise and clear and decisive uh, in his speech, in his Kalam. Now Allah Ta'ala, uh, after mentioning this incident of patience, there's going to be an incident, sorry, of Dawud islam about which this, uh, where you're going to see the patience of Sayyidina Islam. So this is verse 21. Has the story come to you about those who disputed with one another when they entered the place of worship, when they scaled the wall and entered the sanctuary of worship, when they entered upon So This is a long story uh, that Allah sent, Allah sent to Sayyidina Islam Two disputants when he was engaged in worship in the house of worship. They climbed the wall and they put their dispute in front of him. It's a court case, right? So he's trying litigants. So two people who had wanted Sayyidina Allah to adjudicate between them. So when they entered, So when they entered upon the Allah he became alarmed at their presence. So they said that do not be afraid. We are merely two litigants. One of us has transgressed against the other, so judge between us with truth. And don't be unjust towards us and guide us to the straight path. Now, what is this uh, dedication and the story that is going to be mentioned? So the story is as follows that he said, This is my brother, so they were brothers from one another. And my brother, he has 99 ewes. Which is like, you're going to, mat- like, let's say a type of animal. While I have one. Yet he says, entrust her to me, speaking forcefully to me. It means that he has 99, I have one. And he wants me to give him the only one that I have. So Sayyidina Dawud al-Islam responds, uh, That he indeed has wronged you, and is asking you to, asking you, by asking you for your you to add to his use, right indeed, there are many partners who transgress against one another, except those who believe in do righteous deeds, and these are but a few so here, what does it mean right This is referring to uh when first he said his brother right so brother here did not the commentator say, "Does it mean blood, brother? it means brother in faith, brother in faith, or partner in some way. And very revealing, what did Sayyidina Dawud alaihi Islam do, say, he said to him, فَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْخُلَطَاءِ خُلَطَاءِ If you know, مَخْلُوت means to be mixed up, right? إِخْتَلَاط means to mix. خُلَطَاء are those who mix and interact with one another. So the vast, there's a large number of people who associate and mix with one another, who in fact they indeed لِيَبْغِيْ بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَمْ بَعْض that they are unjust and they transgressive one another. Except, except those who have iman and do righteous acts and few are they who have iman and do righteous acts so this is an ayah that suggests that something that people would probably have experienced that when you have business partners or associates when it comes to property and possessions and matters of the dunya then a lot of people, the majority of people are transgressing against one another usurping one's rights violating one's rights, not behaving with proper justice, equity and fairness with one another. And who are going to be the people who should be able to do that? Those who have Iman and A'mal-Saleh, who have Iman and do righteous acts and works of virtue. And and indeed, few are they, such people are but a few. Well, then the Dawud in Sayyidina he it occurred to him that annama fatannahu, <laughs> <coughs> okay رَبَّهُ <laughs> uh, And when it occurred to Sayyidina al that Allah Ta'ala had tested him, so he sought forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And he made a stick far to Allah Ta'ala and he fell down. raki'an <laughs> <laughs> رَاقِعًا <laughs> 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 normally means ruku but here it's understood to mean سَجْدًا this is why this is an ayah سَجْدًا and we will all have to make سَجْدًا for this uh, and he turned to Allah in Inaba he turned to Allah subhanahu in uh, repentance right okay what does that mean right so he exercises his patient number one what was the problem the mistake why does he make his far because Sayyidina Dalsam only listened to one side of the story one person too when you have two litigants, you're supposed to listen to both sides of the story. So one side said that he's trying to take the one forcefully from me. He didn't let the other side speak and he issued his decree and he said this was wrong. So when he realized that this was a test as I was testing him, that even if he's caught I mean, how much hikmah do you have? I had a person who was normally a wise judge, but he may remember that wisdom and judgment in the court and when he's in his house of worship and all of a sudden two litigants jump the wall and present a case in front of him, will he be able to recall his complete sense of wisdom? That would be called sabr. That can he endure and persevere on that wisdom and justice? So Sayyidina Dawud Salam, when he was asked, cause he was taken aback by this litigation in the house of worship. And he was busy worshipping Allah subhanahu Wa ta'ala. He was not in his judge mode, so to speak. So perhaps also some commenters say because he was worshipping Allah ta'ala, and that's a moment of truthfulness for a Nabi. So he, ex- it was his, it was due to what he was doing at that moment, the Ibalat of Allah, that he felt the first litigant was speaking truthfully. And hence didn't feel the need to ask the second one but then when he realized that this was a test and i only listened to let's say how you would say in legal terms i only listened to the plea of the plaintiff and I didn't allow the defendant to respond and i issued the judgment without letting the defense to present its case so then he made istighfar to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he turned to allah ta'ala and so here again ruku means he came into sajda some uh hear a lot of discussion in the books of the seer about who these two were and what their case was uh what was the real you know uh truth behind their case but again uh this is something like a we gen- the general lesson from this is to be careful uh with business partners all right Verse number twenty-six. Oh sorry, verse I skipped verse twenty-five. So kafarnalhu dalik and Allah says indeed we forgave, Sayyidina Sam for that. Windaluhu Indana Indeed in those some has with us the Zulfa or Husna Ma'ab. And the Zulfa means he has a very close, intimate rank with us. Allah given a place of nearness in our presence. Well, Ma'ab and Allah ta'ala will give him the most favorable return, the excellent return to Allah subhanahu ta'ala. So here it means that Allah ta'ala forgave, not because Sayyidina Abdullah Sam made a sin, but forgave that error on his part that he decided on that case without listening to both sides. And then Allah then then proclaims to him, after forgiving him, Ya Dauda, O Dawudah inna Inna ka khalifatan fil ard, Indeed we have made you our vice-regent representative deputy on earth, فَأَحْكُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِالْحَقِّ And you should judge and decide and adjudicate amongst people بِالْحَقِّ by way of truth. وَلَا تَتَّبِي الْهَوَى And you should not follow anything that merely occurs to you or mere fancies or conjecture. فَيُذِلَّكَ أَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Because your mere conjecture may actually divert you from the path of Allah Ta'ala from judging according to the will and wish of Allah Ta'ala. Inna ladeena an sabilallahi, and indeed those who have been astray from the path of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, lahum adabun shadeedun bima nasu yom al-hisab, that they will be afflicted with a terrific and tremendous punishment on the day of judgment because of what they have forgotten. Okay, so here Allah wa ta'ala, uh, is mentioning, uh, that a person should not make a decision on the basis. Here, hawa, it doesn't mean carnal passions. Here, Hawa means basically, it doesn't mean desire. It means on hunch. Don't decide on the basis of hunch or conjecture or speculation. Uh, because many times that will also lead you astray from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And certainly this is also an ayah for any judge in this world who passes a judgment against the laws of Islam or accepts bribes or corruptisms or nepotism or favoritism or all of the things that people are guilty of. They do anything other than haq. So that could also be, I mean, not not for Sayyidina Daudu al-Islam, but generally Allah Ta'ala can also be issuing this ruling. How should judges and magistrates pass a judgment Past judgment So that should not be based On their Hawa That should not be based On tribalism Or nepotism Or favoritism Or any other such thing And lastly Then Allah Ta'ala said uh, Indeed those who uh, Stray from the path Of Allah They will get A terrible punishment On the day of judgment For leaving Allah Ta'ala's way Leaving the deen Of Allah Ta'ala Leaving his teachings All right, so we stop over here on Surah sa Surah number 38. We resume on Surah 38, verse 27. Inshallah, when we come, we meet tomorrow, Inshallah. And tomorrow we have a very important surah that is coming also and a very beautifully recited surah as well, uh, Surah Tuzumar. All right? Inshallah, we'll do that tomorrow wa alhamdulillah wa Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah we ask that You put the Noor of every Ayah of Qur'an into our heart The Noor of every Sunnah of Nabiya Kareem into our heart Ya Rabbi Karim, we ask that you increase us in our ilm of Qur'an, our amal of Qur'an, our ishq of Qur'an, our hamal of Qur'an, our nashr of Qur'an, our khidmat of Qur'an, our ahya of Qur'an, our tazdeed of Qur'an. And Ya Rabbi Karim, every single thing in our deen that our Qur'an has pointed us to. Ya Rabbi, when you told us in Qur'an to follow the anbiya, the mursaleen, to follow the siddiqeen, the shuhada, the salihin, the ulama, the Uliyah, Ya Rabbi Karim, let us hearts be attached to all of those to whom you wish our hearts to be attached and whom you have mentioned in Quran, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Rabbi Ghfir wa Raham Anta Khayr al-Rahimeen, Sallallahu Ta'ala Rahmbi Bhi Sayyidina Muhammad, Wa Alihi wa Sahbihi Ajma'een, Birrahmatika Ya Rahman al